Thank you for listening to another episode of SNTR Presents. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always come in live. We do these Q&A sessions and talks right on the channel. I'm probably live right now, twitch.tv slash rage. Come on in and hang out. Look for rage on Twitter or on Twitch and come submit some questions. We just got done talking about Niobe Labs getting solved. I kind of went through why I wasn't super happy with how Bungie handled it. I was glad and excited to see Clyde and Glad be the team that got it done. They were in there an entirely extra day, and I was glad to see them to be the ones that get it done. It wasn't about who got it done. I was more concerned with just how it was kind of bumbled. They left out a clue, and then they decided to give us a clue, but they only gave us like an hour warning. I didn't think that was the right way to do it. There were plenty of people invested, gamers, streamers, people on Reddit, the forums, Twitter, and the like, that just didn't get to be a part of what happened on that final day. It was like, what, 20 or 30 minutes. So, I like this content. I want more of it going forward and hope that they can do it and make the prize a little bit better as well as have better quality control. And if they do decide to do clues, I think respect the community a little bit more than they did. It just didn't seem appropriate after 30 plus hours were invested that first stretch to give such a short time of advanced notice about the clue. So we're going to jump right into the questions. $4 from Saving Annihilator. Thanks for the laugh, dude. Looking forward to Q&A. Well, you're welcome. We got a little saucy before Q&A, so you're not going to get to hear that. <laughs> you got to turn in live for those moments. Oh, yeah. First question coming in from the Doctor 1975 I have a theory that Bungie is using the NetEase contract to develop a mobile game that will be used to fund future content. Your thoughts? We did a Q&A the other day about the Activision split, and I said just this. I theorized. I said it's possible that the $100 million, I mean, $100 million's not enough for a full company push on something. I, I, that just... It, comp, the, the size that they're at, it seems like that's for a specific project. And if they've done their research, maybe they know, maybe NetEase knows, that there is a market for a really good mobile game that could become a really great way to generate money for the next game. Uh, That's not abnormal for development companies to have revenue streams from other games that fund their future and current projects. So there's no way to know right now what Bungie's doing. I don't think the internal revenue logistics matters that much. I mean, they could be they could be using that money to, to generate the revenue. They could be doing something completely different with microtransactions. They could be doing something with the annual pass that they feel is strong enough to subsidize consistent, you know, forty dollar DLCs and then subsequent, you know, annual passes. I, there's just no really way, you know, big way to know. I, but that's certainly one of the possibilities amongst the many possibilities of what's happening. So, Yakeman says. Given the frustrations of Friday night, do you think it would have been better to patch the game in a way to include the clue rather than a tweet or an out-of-game communication? How should Bungie address issues in the future? I didn't even consider the fact that it wasn't even a clue in the dadgum game. It was on their website. I mean, I think they put it in the tweet as well, so it was in both places. Um, if you, you could read the tweet or click the link. I mean... I think given the audience that was involved, I I don't think those folks were like taken by surprise that that's the location of the clue. I do think the screen should have been updated with the hotfix. Again, that might have taken too long, right? 
So they could have easily been like, let's update it with a hot fix. Let's throw that text on the screen. That'd be good. That way anybody that's in there may happen to figure it out. I think they knew this is going to take 20 minutes, you know, for people to figure out. I don't think anybody's going to be like, um, this is, this isn't going to happen. Right. Uh, so they, they knew it was going to be a relatively quick solution. And that's probably why they just felt justified to be like, yeah, it's an hour and a half warning. Let's just get this the frick over with instead of waiting till Tuesday. Again, I just think you're respecting the community's investment up to that point a whole lot more by saying, we're going to give a clue on Tuesday at this time, right? The screen was not broken. They're lying. The clue is poor. Here's the thing. I think that's a possibility because... Reddit and myself came to that conclusion on our own. I wasn't interacting with Raid Secrets when I said, if we strip this clue down to basically what it's showing us, it's saying, put these elements on these swords, meaning put these elements on those houses. Well, that would mean stand on those houses and activate those activate those codes with those elements. And then as soon as we realized the ringing nail was getting hit markers, that really reinforced the idea. So to me, I agree. I think they thought we could extrapolate the clue. The, I'm sorry, we could extrapolate the solution from the clue. I, I do. I think they thought that. Because it happened. It happened. The clue, the clue led to the solution. But the, here's the problem. When your clue is that... T- tenuous and thin and vague what ends up happening is people are like oh that's already been tried or we tried that and we got like if you get one piece of it wrong right if you do something in the reverse order maybe you think you need to do machine gun uh in reverse order since that's how you get in the forge instead of in the right order you know do ulfbert not ulfbert but you do the, the reverse order of it right the major problem, too, with people even trying solutions, and people really pushed back on me during during the first, like, 20 or 30 hours, and they were like, well, people would just brute force it. I, the, the, che- the lack of a checkpoint system also worked against this. If you could keep running 6 and try 7, I think people would have so- solved it. I think people would have solved it. My Like, I think if, if I would have said what I said on Thursday, I said the solution, right? If you could have gotten a checkpoint at 6 and gone into 7, I don't think you would have gotten to Thursday. I think somebody would have tried my solution before that and been like, well, we're getting hit markers with the ringing nail. Why don't we try doing the activation code with the ringing nail? Like, really? I mean, it's showing solar on on Norse, so we can do solar on Norse. You can't do solar on Norse because the machine gun's void. But the lack of a checkpoint system was exhausting. By the time you got to the end, unless you played that opening room really, really well like Glad and Clyde did... You had almost no time to input a solution. And then you got to start all the way over. So those two things combined into this, it took too long, right? And then that comp- that compounds it, right? Lack of checkpoint, vagueness, just, oh my gosh, nobody is even coming close. It's taking too long. By the time you get to Thursday and Friday, well, Lono spits out the solution. Well, nobody even cares at that point. Everyone's like, oh, somebody already tried that Lono. That happened to Datto with trees. Datto tried trees. And so anytime we talked about anything with trees, people were like, dude, Datto tried everything with trees. You get so far into the potential solutions, it becomes harder to solve because of how many times people have tried different things. Checkpoints would have at least let people be like, well, I know Datto tried trees, but let's at least try some things with trees. You don't want to throw an entire runaway when you hear that another person or another streamer has already tried trees, if that makes sense. 
So it got worse with time. It just got worse and worse and worse with time. So there is a part of me that thinks they thought we would see the solution and be like, oh, I need to do Norse with Solar. I need to do this with Void. And even though we came to that conclusion, even though we came to that conclusion, it, it still doesn't matter. It still doesn't matter. They just didn't give us enough. They didn't give us enough to go on. And so it got worse with time. It's High Noon says, what are your thoughts on the super changes? I'm not really going to give my thoughts on the super changes because number one, there's way too many. They're changing a ton of supers because people are already like, oh no, they're making, they're going to make Blade Barrage weaker. We don't know how much weaker they're going to make it, right? We have no idea, you know, how much weaker they're going to make it. So I would, I would, I would just hold on to your hats and just wait. Uh, and if, if, if it, if it gets really, really bad, then we'll obviously provide feedback it seems like they're targeting the way it functions in PvP more than PvE. Um, but obviously, yes, it will be disappointing if one of the most, you know, one of the stronger offensive supers, especially for a hunter, hunter hasn't really had a strong offensive super. Strong DPS isn't the same as a strong offensive super, and Shards of Galanor really empowered, I feel like, the the blade barrage should be a really really fun class so we'll just have to wait and see i you know and they and ex, like extending the dawn blade why that super is already eternal if used properly that doesn't make any sense to me at all and then after extending dawn blade i know they're weakening nova warp which is going to make everybody happier but I, I guess they want dawn blade to last for forever like that's the, that's the that's the the goal I, I don't that's that's bizarre to me train i have a feeling that Bungie should have a way to see all of the flaws. It seems to me that nobody played it before its releases with all the bugs. Seems like an easy fix if they had to play through it. This is why I think that they didn't leave a piece out. Right? Now, I don't know why I'm going to argue with myself here. Right? I'm going to argue with myself here. Why would you own up to pieces being missing? Why would you tell people that spent 30 hours Sorry, our bad, there were pieces missing. Why wouldn't you say, you know, we thought this clue was direct enough, and apparently it's not. So we're going to release a little a little, a little, little clue to clarify how exactly you're supposed to interpret uh, this clue. Like, I don't know. I feel like anger is more justified when you say, yeah, our bad, we literally had pieces missing from the dadgum thing. Well, man, that... That really fuels my that really fuels my indignation. Like, right? Like, come on, what the frick are you guys doing? Oh, I had the wrong stuff on. I'm so dumb when I hit the flag. Um, I don't know. I feel like that really fuels the frustration even more. Um, I feel more justified in my anger <laughs> when they say they left pieces out. It's like, did you guys not boot up and even look at the dadgum screens? How does this get left out? How do you, how do you do that? You know? I don't know. I would have been less frustrated if they were like, we we admit the clue was vague. We thought people would get it. They didn't. So here's something to make it less vague. I don't know. That's just me personally. Uh, you know, how I how I kind of think about it. Um, oh, we're filling the frame. I'm just going to go to the thing. Roll Your D says, thinking of making the jump to PC, I've never been a PC gamer. What would be a good place to start setup wise? I mean, if you know somebody that can help you build it, you can certainly save money by building, but pre-built's really, really strong approach now. It's not that bad as far as the money difference between pre-building, a pre-built system and building your own has, that gap has shrunk quite a bit. And pre-built systems are really reliable. They're really reliable. 
Um, everything is kind of, you know, tested and the chipsets are all compatible. The Asus ROG pre-built systems are great. Um, I use those for a really, really long time. Currently, uh, Zydax is who I would recommend you use because they built both my rigs. They have pre-builts and things you can use and you can get a discount. You can get 5% off. So I would use Zydax. Um, that's who I'm currently using now. So the Asus ROGs got me far enough, but when you really want to, you really want to like crank things up and get a really nice system Zydax is there with a great website with pre-builts that you can buy or build your own and then they do everything there right Zydax is the great uh, solution if you're wanting to build but not do the work yourself they will build the system make it awesome and then they do really great quality testing they actually they actually stress test the computers you know for 24 hours before shipping them to you so they don't just build it and send it to you so I would use the Zydax command in chat and then use code LONO uh, for 5% off uh, if you're looking to get into it. <clears throat> Odious Ragnus, what are your impressions of the surrounded mod? Is it a decent mod? It's just a matter of... Uh, the problem with mods like Surrounded, as well as a perk like Surrounded, is unless you're really paying attention and really watching, it's hard to know how often it's procking. Then the question is, when it is procking, how much of a benefit am I even getting, right? I have I have surrounded on my LMG with the surrounded uh, mod on there, and it's not bad in forges. I also have the increased damage from the the radiance. I you know I feel like when there's a crowd around, it's really cutting. It's really cutting through, and I don't know if that's my imagination. I don't know if that's Radiance stacking on top of surrounded stacking on top of surrounded spec like that's a lot of damage increase You know increased damage during forge ignitions increased damage granted by surrounded and surrounded does um, Bonus damage when three or more enemies are things so there's damage bonus here more here and then more here like I don't know that seems like a lot of uh, of Bumping but we just don't know you'd have to measure it and then after you measure it You have to be like how often does it proc? And when it does proc, are those environments where you're going to want to be pulling out your heavy? Um, or if you're using on a hand cannon, the reason I don't like it on a hand cannon is you have to play, you almost have to barrel stuff with a hand cannon, which doesn't make sense. The effective range, the effective range of the hand cannon always made surrounded feel stupid. It was like I'm shooting from too far away to ever really get the benefit of surrounded, you know. So. BWF Glow says, do you think Bungie will resort to crowdsourcing if they end up needing funding to keep Destiny going? How do you think the community would respond to that? I mean, Kim.com was in here the other day and he was like, would you buy shares to help fund the future of the game? And I'm like, I don't exactly know how that works for content creators. I feel like that could get really ugly uh, with respect to how the public treats us if we have shares in the company. I mean, we get accused of that already, but it's not founded in anything. And if I had to, I would be honestly, I would be open and up, you know, open and up front to be like, I've, you know, I'm invested. I'm invested in the success of this franchise. And people would be like, well, that calls into question when you're being positive or when you're being negative. I, I think I've been so fair and I've been so sort of nuanced and balanced in my approach to the good and the bad. I, it'd be easy to continue to do that. Like if I was invested, if I was invested in the game, whether it was through a GoFundMe crowdsourcing or through shares, I still think I would be as critical as I am now because that drives the content forward and makes it better, which is ultimately better for the sales, the profit, the PR, everything. 
Like, just being a shill and be like, it's great, what are you talking about? It's a wonderful game, there's no flaws. Like, that doesn't work. That doesn't work because that actually makes it worse sometimes. People are like, dude, be honest about how the game is right now. Be honest about the state of things. You're making, you honestly sometimes I think make it worse by being a shill and not admitting when games have flaws. I, to me, that, that's why when people accuse me of being an apologist, I'm like, have you seen the last 10 videos I put out that are nothing but, you know, criticisms and flaws and shortcomings in the game? Have you seen the people that tell me I complain too much or I criticize too much? You know? So I don't know. I don't know if you could, if, if, if you could really ride that line as a content creator, you'd probably still just have to put up with the criticism and just kind of shoulder that and be transparent with people. I'm like, yes, I do own you know stock in the company. I am invested in their success. But here's the difference. Here's the difference. If I'm sitting here saying that I think a certain DLC is good and I'm enjoying myself and I'm playing it, someone might say, you're trying to convince people to buy it because that's good for the company, right? But I think there's a difference between me saying, this is great, bye, 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 and me saying, I'm having a good time and here's why, you know, let the, let, let the, let the gamer decide for themselves what they think. Um, obviously, if a content creator was constantly saying, yeah, it's great, bye, I would buy the DLC, I would pre-order the DLC, I would buy right now. Um, I don't know. I think if, if the tone of the content creator's vibe changed, then you might be able to say, this is very different than what you used to do. Like if Lona was basically always saying, pre-order, 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 bye, 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 everything's great, you should buy right now, here's a, here's a link to buy and get a discount through me. Well, then you could be like, Lona, this is a very different cadence and a very different style of your content than you used to do. You might be able to accuse me at that point of selling out, right? And I think you'd be justified. But if I'm saying what I've always said, which is it's a good game, I think it's enjoyable, I think it's got good grind, I think it has flaws, here are the flaws, here are the things I would like to see improved. If I was still doing that, then you're not allowed to cherry pick and be like, oh, you're not allowed to praise the game because you have stock in it, right? If, you, if the person is being fair and covering both sides, then you're not allowed to cherry pick as a viewer and say, well, the only reason you're saying these positive things is because you, you're you a sellout. And it's like, okay, what about the last 10 things I just said that are bad and need fixed? Do I, not, do I not get credit for those? Do you see what I'm saying? So I think content creators would just have to be very, very careful. And if it was crowdsourced, same difference, right? If you're dumping money into a GoFundMe, which I just don't think they're going to do this, but hypothetically speaking, if you're dumping money into the GoFundMe of a game, I mean, you're vested in its success. You want it to do well. You pumped money into it, right? Like, you know, you are a, you're an interested party. But it's so hard to divorce that now, right? We're all we all want the game to do well. You could argue that streamers and content creators want the game to do well and want people to buy and play because that's what we we make our money from being content creators about Destiny, but I think it's been clear over the years that we're all best served, whether we're a content creator or just a player, right? We're, we are all served by the game improving, and the game improving doesn't happen through blind allegiance and false praise. The game has improved, and we got forsaken because people, myself and many others included, were willing to take the gloves off and be like, you guys effed this game up, like come on you guys have to fix this this you know that's that's where i don't know i think we earn some credibility 
like having a history of criticism and asking for this the franchise the betterment of the franchise i think i think we deserve a little bit of credit to be like you can trust it not everybody i don't know if somebody was constantly just acting like everything was roses and, and rainbows and then you know telling you that the game was amazing well then yeah i guess don't trust that person but nobody really did that people stopped playing people wouldn't touch the game like people were very honest about how they felt about destiny 2's launch I don't feel like anybody was misleading the community at that point or being a shill. Um, even those of us that were hoping to see the game improve. So, uh, I'm I'm always going to be in the corner of the game and the player simultaneously. Right? I'm in your corner, I'm in your corner, and I'm in the game's corner. Let's make the game as best as possible, right? 17 months from I Need Money and Sig... Uh, Sigmoidawheel says, wait a minute, is that an Ant-Man T? Hilarious! And then Yankman gifted a sub to Khan. Thank you for doing that. Trap Kitten. I notice a lot of the community is unhappy about how armor looks in D2 versus D1. Do you feel there's a reason why armor looks less unique? I don't know what game they're playing. I have no idea what game you're playing if you think this armor doesn't look as cool as the armor in D1. We, we've gone through this before and looked at all the cosmetics. I, e- even just the differences between uh, IO, Titan, Nessus, and EDZ, those four armor sets, I think are very unique and cool and awesome. And then once you leave there, you've got the armor from Brother Vance, you've got the raid armor, you've got the new raid armor, you have the... So that's just planetary stuff, right? Um, you have the faction armor. I mean, faction armor with some reskins, that's true. But like, I don't know. Here's what I think is going on, and I think T-Funk's touching on it. I think people are remembering Age of Triumph armor with ornaments, and they're like, oh my gosh, that stuff's so cool. I'll agree with you, but I don't think that, I don't think the greatness, the pinnacle armor from D1 doesn't make this armor bland. It took us three years to get armor that looked that cool in Destiny 1, and I think there's plenty of armor sets in D2 that look awesome. Like, I don't know. I Like, I think I look pretty dope. I, I've never... I don't remember having that kind of, like, customization over how I looked in D1. I always felt like you just kind of wore what was there. I liked the Wrath of the Machine armor, though. I did. I did. I loved when uh, the artist for Destiny Community Podcast drew me with the Sleeper and the Wrath of the Machine armor, you know? So, Ugly Titan TBH. I mean, obviously... People that think my Titan looks ugly, they're welcome to be stupid and wrong. They're welcome to be stupid and wrong. That's fine. But, 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 um, in being stupid and wrong about my Titan being ugly, they're expressing the fact that there's different opinions about the armor in the game. (laughs) Um, So if someone looks at my Titan and thinks he's ugly and they think their Titan looks dope, doesn't that represent the fact that there is a lot of variety in the game, right? Now, this is anecdotal and subjective. Like, we're kind of we're kind of stacking things that don't prove a point. But, like, I do think, you know, the, the goodness or the badness of armor, I, I think you can look at how, how different people look. Like, we'll just look at this instance. Let's just look at this instance. So, we already looked at myself. Let's look at nothing. I mean, I, I, obviously, he's wearing, he's wearing robes that a lot of people wear. Phoenix Protocol robes. But that helmet, I mean, I don't wear that helmet on my Warlock. I'm not a big fan of that helmet. And then this random guy, the Ark. I mean, it looks completely different. He looks like something out of Star Trek. That chest piece is cool. I've always liked that helmet. I've always liked that helmet. And he's got Luna factions on. And he's got the bond. I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I do. I think that there's I think there's enough differences in the game that you can look distinct, look how you want, uh, and arguably, from your perspective, look cool. You know? 
you could arguably look cool. I get a lot of comments on my warlock looking beefy. He, I've got the the new raid chest piece on him, so I can wear geo mags, and I get a lot of comments on him looking beefy, and I think that's cool that people are like, yo, your your warlock is thick. I don't know. I I think there's enough freedom personally. Molly is tasty. I wouldn't know. Says, so do you think they were testing the waters with the puzzle for Penumbra? I'm super hyped for that expansion. I've gotten this question a lot, actually. People are basically saying, you know, Penumbra is going to be puzzle-based and it's going to it's gonna be, you know, more about solving, you know, using clues and stuff just from things that they've called it. And I don't know if they were testing, Right. Now, obviously, they've learned a lesson, like, right? They could say, uh, whoops, that wasn't good. Let's make sure and not do that again. Penumbra is the DLC coming out in the summer. It's the third and final piece of the annual pass. Uh, the thing in between that's going to be Joker's Wild. So there's Season of the Drifter and then Season of the Shadow. Season of the Shadow will be uh, Penumbra, which seems to indicate we're going back to Leviathan. I have been saying I think we're going to conclude the story with... Callus. I don't think they're done with him. And so, I, to me, I, I don't know if Bungie operates that way since Penumbra was probably already pretty much built. I mean, I, it's not completed probably. They need to go through and test things, I'm sure. But Penumbra probably isn't like sitting on a shelf not built. And they're like, yeah, we really need to test out Niobe Labs before we do anything with Penumbra. Now, they, make, they may make adjustments to the puzzles and the solving of the puzzles in Penumbra. And, and yeah, test things after they admitted that there were words missing from the screen that they just, I don't know, somehow missed that. Uh, the main function of the puzzle is screens that show us stuff and they somehow missed the fact that there were no words on the screen. I don't know how in the, I don't know how in the blue frick you do that. Um, also doesn't make sense that it was showing something. It was showing swords. So I, it's very, very bizarre. So to me, I think they may say, let's have contingency plans in place if puzzles take too long to solve, right? It gets really, really sketchy, though, if you're doing World's First races in a raid and you've got people competing for World's First, a belt, you know, the accolades, the praise, etc., all the love. That gets really, really sketchy if you start giving out clues, we would all need to know ahead of time there's going to be clues given at a certain time. If Bungie just decides to suddenly give out clues because they're like, this is taking too long, again, the danger you run is that people get stuck and then bail, and when they bail, they're going to miss the clues, and then that's almost like an accidental advantage for other people. You need people to have warning because if people play for seven or eight hours, they're like, we're never getting this puzzle done. And it's another puzzle that's vague, you know, and we and and we know there are clues coming. Well, people would hang in there. They'd be like, well, let's stick around. They're going to be given a clue in an hour. Let's just keep trying. I could see a lot of people giving up and then feeling almost like they get again blindsided by a clue. Like, wait, what? Since when you guys gives gives clue, you know, when, when you give a clue about a raid, you know, that could be that could be problematic. <clears throat> Zach says, what are the odds that Bungie was attempting to hotfix the clue on the back end and could not get it done? Possible explanation for the de- delayed response about the clue and the hasty release of the clue afterward. I mean, it's entirely possible, but like, I listen, I'm going to be honest. I give Bungie a pass a lot of the times. So I'm like, I know it's hard to make content in your engine and your dev tools. All right. 
I get that. So when people are like, why can't we get fixes faster? Why can't we get this faster? Why can't we get that faster? <clears throat> I'm usually one of the first people to point out and be like, listen, man, it just isn't fast. It just isn't easy. You know, you're, you're, you know, we're just going to have to wait on that to get fixed. Thank you for the thousand bits, Black Lily. I don't give Bungie a pass pass here. <clears throat> it can't be that difficult to roll out a hotfix to put text on a screen. I, I don't know. There's just a big part of me that's like, no, no. That, I don't accept that. If that's going to be the excuse, then I don't accept it. I don't accept that as a valid excuse. That, that This should have been tested. This should have been ready for prime time. You, the, the content trickle was scheduled. The announcement about Niobe Labs event was, you know, made a long enough time ago that th- there, there, there was no surprise here. You know, oh no, we have to have this thing ready to go. What are we going to do? What are we, you know, we got to make sure that, oh no, it's not ready. There's words missing. No, I, and again, if that, let's just, okay, let's, let's take your point and say that it's true. Um, I, I again am like okay but you still should have respected the community's investment up to that point and gave us far more warning about the the, 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 the clue coming out right even if even if we say okay Bungie we'll give you a pass here we'll say oh it was too hard to get the hot fix in legitimate mistake easy mistake to make everything I'm saying sounds stupid but let's just imagine that's true even if we grant those points, it doesn't. It, it still doesn't make it defensible that to give the, to give an hour warning on the clue, right? So they never intended to give the clue. They expected it to get solved as originally released. I think that's correct. The fact that we got the conclusion from the puzzle means the puzzle was 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 built. So soaring eagle with two months. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. Avenj eighty six. Um. And I appreciate your compliments, Soaring Eagle, in your, in your resubmissions. Avenj86 says, uh, I asked this before, but I don't think you got to it. I've noticed most Destiny content creators are planning to pivot to cover Anthem in the next month. What's your plan? Anthem coverage could increase following, but I could see sticking to Destiny being even better uh, given how people are pivoting to Anthem. This creates an opportunity to stand out in the Destiny community. I answered this in another question and answer session. You missed it. Uh, and what I said was, there are two sides to this coin. Okay, yes, let's just talk about not pivoting. Staying in Destiny can be beneficial. When everybody pivoted to the original Division, Division 1, I stayed in Destiny at the time, and I got a lot of channel growth from it. I was, the, the, the directory thinned out, and I got to the top of the directory, and I got a lot of growth from it. Okay, that's true. Division ended up not being a very good game. Directory didn't really last, and so I didn't really miss out on a, on some big glorious opportunity for growth, right? And a lot of the times you can justify that. You're like, it's better to stay here, the directory thins out, and I'm going to go over to the new game and get squashed anyway, right? So that's that's true. That's a true line of thinking. Now, to keep that line of thinking in balance, you always want to be thinking about diversification, which is why I made SNTR present something that I believed would have elasticity so I could take it into other games, right? And so that, I think, is something you have to consider. Are you considering the threads of, of, of diversification when you're making a decision like this? Now, I think I'm in a better position to think 
more about diversification than maybe somebody who's pushing for partnership, maybe somebody who's just pushing to get known. And I'm going to tell you why I think I'm in that position. This isn't arrogance. This is just me being frank and honest about where what my standing is now. Top of the directory is normal and pretty normative and regular for me, right? That's not me. That's not like a weird flex, but okay. That's just that's just a fact. I'm very often and commonly up here, right? At the at the top of the directory. So, being at the top of the directory when a new game comes out for me, I'm not going to be meeting anybody new. Right? I'm not going to be like, oh, it's so good that I stayed up here. Why? Well, because a lot of the people that like to watch Destiny already are watching Destiny. They're not going to stop watching Destiny if I take a couple of days to play Anthem, right? That's that's not going to happen. Now, but what will happen is new people, new viewers, people that maybe don't typically watch Twitch, they will be coming to the to Twitch that day to check out Anthem, and that's an opportunity to put my content in front of them. What's this Anthem game all about? Let me check this out. What's going on? How is it? Is it any good? This is why SNTR Presents is so important, I think, for the future of my platform and the future for the platform in general. If you're wanting to pivot and diversify, you have to take something with you that transcends the game. For some people, it's a giant volumetric dominance of the platform. Their channel is so big, they can play a new game, and yeah, they get seen, and yeah, they get growth from it, because nobody can compete with them. They've been around since Justin TV, and they take with them a channel and a, and a, and a, and a channel size that's that's undeniable, right? Now, for me, what I have and what I've tried to build is demand for what I think is a product that has value. I'm not tooting my own horn here. I'm I'm that's what I'm attempting to do. I'm attempting to build something that has value and demand. So you say, I don't want to miss Lono's coverage of Anthem, Lono's coverage of E3, Lono's coverage of Division. Why? Because when I'm watching Say No to Rage, when I'm watching SNTR Presents, I am getting something for my time. I'm getting a hub. I'm getting a place to go ask questions. I'm getting a place to go learn about the game or add my own two cents about the game. People like doing that, especially when the game is new. And so that's that's been my plan ever since I kind of spawned the idea of SNTR Presents was, number one, I'm going to lean into what I think people have communicated to me is my value point, which is talking and conversing while gaming. And that's what everybody does at a ground level, right? But I do it in a way that's almost like a radio show, so you can listen and lurk. Well, even if you're not interested in Anthem, I feel like people would tune in and listen to that. I'm not really interested in Anthem, but he's going to do an SNTR Presents about the latest DLC or the launch week or his first impressions or the balance or the loot pursuit or whatever it is I'm talking about. Even if you're not interested in Anthem, you might be like, well, I'll take a crack and listen. Maybe I'll decide I like the game. Maybe I can learn about the game from the community that's showing up and submitting questions, right? I mean, how many people have come in and been like, I'm not really down with Destiny, but the back and forth here in the Q&A, I, you know, I, I really, really enjoy this. And then that's a value point for them. They feel like they're getting something for their time. So there's two sides of the coin. There's the diversification side and there's the what's going to get me what's going to get me growth and exposure side, right? There's two there's two sides to that coin. And you have to you have to consider what's best for your channel. Right? You know ultimately, you don't know, but you decide what's ultimately 
best for your channel. So in my mind, what's best for my channel is we start in Destiny. We have our powwow. We have our talk. You, as a fan of Destiny, you get your little, you get your home. You get your little home hangout in the morning. Your little back and forth. Your little, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? SNTR presents Q&A. And then we pivot. Typically, SNTR presents take us takes us to our viewership peak. So I take the most possible people with me. And you know what I say? Hey, if you guys really like this SNTR format, if you really like this Q&A format, we're going to go over and do that in Anthem in a little bit. So if you've got questions about Anthem, if you're curious about it, if you want to pick my brain about it and see what I think, give my review, give my feedback, whether or not you should check it out. If you've been playing it and you're curious about builds, curious about loot pursuits, curious about whatever, let's talk about it, right? We're going to take this format into another game. Guess what's going to happen, right? There's a chance, there's no guarantee, but there's a chance people are going to be like, well, I really like SNTR Presents, and I really like Q&A, and if he's going to do it in another game, I'll stick around. I've always said to people that are like, you support the gamer, not support the streamer, not the game. Meh, support the streamer. Okay, let me talk to you for a minute. I understand your frustration, and I've been there. I'm not trying to mock you, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to subvert your, your view of things so that you know what you sound like, because that's what you sound like when you make little tweets and comments like that. You, you sound like a whiner, and you don't want to sound like a whiner. You're, you're justifiably a little miffed. You're like, these people say they'll support me no matter what, and I play another game, and then they don't show up. What is the story with this, right? I understand where you're coming from, but let me give you some insight. If you want your viewers to transcend the game and support you, then you have to transcend the game. You have to transcend the game. You have to offer something that is more than the game. You have to offer something that is that is above the game. It's so entertaining. It's so good. It's so valuable that they're like, bro, I, I, I have to keep watching. I don't want to miss out on what's going to happen. Whether it's whether it's that the fact that you're just really entertaining, whether it's the fact that like you put on a really highly produced show or what, whatever it is that you're offering, you have to start to pull your content and your value away from the game so that it's separate and up here. And the game's down here and the game is a subtext. The game, as Excessive Profanity said, is your muse. It is your muse. It is merely a catalyst by which you create entertainment and value for people. Right now, sometimes that game value starts to come up and gets a little bit closer to this because it's a raid. It's it's Niobe Labs. It's it's heightened newness and awareness. Like that's gonna happen sometimes, right? You're like, oh my gosh, my numbers are so strong, and then it starts to go back down again, right? And your value is still carrying you, and the value of the game and the value of the entertainment starts to go down a little bit. Doc is a good example. Doctor Disrespect is a good example of. Doc goes into any game and that's a value point that he brings with him. He's crazy. He yells. He goes off. He's snapping at chat. There's production value. There's replays. It's the Doc, right? Get him out of here! Get him off the servers! Like, there's a whole thing happening that's that's just above the game carrying his value. And, and, when you look at your value as a streamer, if you're not if you're not frank and honest about what you can and can't do, you're never going to tap into what's your value. You're never going to tap into what you should dig in on, right? I just had to be honest during the beginning stages of the Fortnite directory, it was very it could have been very easy to get jealous and angry. Well, this is bull. I've been in this directory since the beginning and now everybody's watching Grimms and everyone's watching Ninja and Dr. Lupo and they're watching who are they watching? The guys that are good at battle royales, right? 
I could have wasted my time and energy getting down in the mouth and and being angry about like, oh, I'm not I'm not up in the directory they are, right? Well, guess what? That's their value point. You know what? They don't have my value point. They don't. They don't get to do what I do and I don't get to do what they do. That's the key. That's the that's the key. If if you're looking at other streamers and you're trying to like like cherry pick value points or buffet style like well I wish I could have people watching me like I was Dr. Lupo or Grimms or Ninja or Courage or any of those guys if my, I knew I knew I had to be honest with myself my value point is not high skill level gameplay I will never be there now I can I can spend a couple days playing Fortnite and get pretty good and make some plays and we'll get a couple clips and we have a good time but that's still not my value point you're not gonna you're you're not gonna tune in for those couple of games in a given week or day where I I, I, I kind of have a good run. You're like, oh wow, Lono's going really strong. He had a pretty strong game there. That's that's a value point for the moment, but it's temporary. It's not enduring. It's not what I'm known for, right? So you're climbing an uphill battle. So what I started to say was, what is what is my value? What do people tune in to listen for me in doing? Why did I keep streaming Destiny 2 even though, for all intents and purposes, it was a weak game. It didn't have a lot going for it, right? Well, but my channel was doing well and growing even when Destiny 2 was suffering. Why? Because the value point of SNTR Presents, the value point of Q&A, had, a, had, a, had an enduring quality that was above how bad the game was, right? SNTR Presents transcended how bad Destiny 2 was. And here we sit, how many episodes later, how many months and in, in, in over a year over a year later, and we're saying we can do this now and talk about and still talk about destiny and still have a good time and the value's still there. Right? So until you until you really dig down as a streamer and ask yourself, what's my value point? Right? And this all stems back to the initial question. This is turning into a Twitch talk, but that's okay. Generally people like to hear me rant and rave. The number one question you always start with, which is the hardest question to answer, is why should anybody watch you? Why? Why? What are you offering? What is so what what are they gonna get for their time? What is it? And you're like, oh I don't know, I'm gonna hang out and talk. Cool, so is everybody else, right? Why? And here's how you answer the question. It's so difficult, it's like but I, I I'm funny, I don't know, I'm good looking, I don't know, I'm really good at games, right? Here's how you answer the question. You almost have to do a profile assessment of yourself. You have to say, what kind of gamer am I? And then do that, okay? What kind of games do I gravitate towards, okay? And then do that. What are my opinions about games? How, how do I think certain games should play out? What do I think of these updates, these DLCs, these microtransactions, these trends in the industry? You've got to go through and have that conversation because that informs the type of content you're going to create, right? Ask the question, what type of content do you want to create? What are you going to do? Do you like podcasting? Do you like doing high-level gameplay? Do you want to play at an esports professional level? What If you don't know what kind of content you want to create, don't expect people to sit around while you figure it out, right? Now, it's okay to figure it out, but hear what I said. Don't expect people to sit around while you're figuring it out. You don't have draw yet. You don't have value. So when you're thinking like, do I play Anthem or do I play Destiny? You ha- th- th- that question can't be informed until you know all these things. Well, what kind of content are you trying to create? What's your value? Why do people tune in? Why should they tune in? And when you answer all those questions, that's going to give you, 
that's going to give you a framework for what you would do and why you would do it with Anthem, with Division 2, with Destiny. If the directory is going get, to get vacant and thinned out in Destiny and you're going to stick around, well, okay, what are you going to do with that time? What are you going to do with that increased visibility, right? Oh, I'm going to do raid helps and run raffles. Neat. White noise. That's what everybody else is doing. Do something unique. Do something special. Do a, you know, do a do a week-long segment where every day you're doing something completely and utterly different with and, 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 and interacting with the community in a way that nobody else is doing. Like, reinvent the wheel. Whatever you're thinking of doing, ask the question, is anybody doing it? And if your answer to that question is yes, then the next question should be, how can I do it better or different? Right? How can I do it better or different? Is anybody doing this? No. Okay. The next question then should be, why not? Does it not have appeal? Why is nobody doing this? Right? I don't think I would have thought in the beginning stages of my channel that a format like I'm doing right now would work. Now we've cleaned it up and you're getting quite a bit more gameplay. We got some good feedback from folks on YouTube who weren't familiar with my content and their negative criticism turned into a positive in my mind. We're giving you more gameplay now. If you're not familiar with me and you tune into Anthem or Division, you might not give me the time of day because you'd be like, this is stupid. I can't even see the game, right? So I'm giving you a little bit more capital, a little bit more screen. Uh, that way you can see the game a little bit more, right? But I don't think I ever would have envisioned in the beginning stages of my channel or even when it started to grow in Destiny that this type of content would have pull and draw, right? I, that's, that's, that's not something I would have known. And in here it sits as a value point. So when you ask the question, uh, it, is this something anybody's doing? And you answer the question, no. Nobody was doing, people were doing podcasts, but people weren't doing a podcast format like this. It wasn't structured. They didn't have the gameplay smaller. Not that I've seen, not in high numbers. If there were people doing it, I never saw it, right? Repurposing the content for iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and YouTube. That was kind of a new concept. And so we tried it, and the more we tried it, the more I did it, and the more we iterated on it. I was like, I think this is a, I think this is a pretty solid push. I think this is a pretty, this is, this this content has, this content has draw, and this content has uh, potential. Um, so the reason why people are going to be pivoting to Anthem, and when they pivot to Anthem, a lot of that's going to be informed by everything I just talked about. So it to you seems like such an easy question, right? Why would you go stream Anthem? You're a Destiny streamer. Why would you go do that? You're a this, you're a that. Oh, he do, does he not drop seeds or am I full? Oh, I'm full. I was going to say, he doesn't drop seeds. He probably does, but I'm full. I think that answering that question is always so much simpler than people make it. Like, there was a video that got viral. There's a guy who does these videos, like, what it is to be a streamer, right? And so, and he re- and he puts, like, pieces of paper on his face. I don't know his name. And he was doing one about, like, here's Variety, here's my home game, and what's that conversation like? And he was like, if I play you, then everybody comes, everybody shows up, and it's good for my career, it's good for my channel growth. If I play you, I feel happy, but when I play you, I'm also happy. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Quit being dichotomous about it, Okay? Whether it's your home game or it's your variety, your focus should be about bringing as much value and entertainment as possible, not like, well, should I play my home game or should I play variety? You're just being dichotomous. Oh, it's either this or this. It's either this or this. First of all, little girl from the taco, right, commercials. Why not both? Second of all, man, 
have a bigger vision of streaming than what you get out of a game. Like, let the, just, okay, that hits me. I'm hitting myself in the face with a 2x4. Let that 2x4 hit you in the face for a second. Like, have a bigger vision of streaming than like, well, what am I going to get out of this game? I've had so many people question me in private, like, do you think I should play Destiny? Do you think I'd get some growth out of it? Should I play Destiny? Do you think I would get some growth from streaming Destiny right now? What are you even talking about? What? What? That's disingenuous at best. You're just going to be using the game for views, right? But Lona, weren't you just talking about like going into Anthem because new people are coming in? Yes, and I'm not focused on like, will I get growth out of Anthem? I'm focused on, remember, the content. If I go to Anthem and I create content that has value and appeal, I'm giving the viewer something. I'm giving you a hub. I'm giving you value, a reason to come back. I can watch him play Anthem and ask questions, learn about it. So... Anytime I see these videos and stuff, I never comment because I I understand where they're coming from. And a lot of what I would say would just get lost in the weeds and, you know, a limitation on the tweet. And then people would say I'm being negative. But there are so many people, there are so many people that have a gigantic misunderstanding about what streaming is all about. And that's why they view things simplistically and in in a dichotomous way. This question, I'm pointing the wrong way because this is a new setup. This question smacks at that. It's like, why would you stream Anthem instead of Destiny? Why would you stream Destiny instead of Anthem? It smacks at it smacks at a split version of streaming that's more focused on the games instead of focusing on your show. That was something I picked up from Excessive Profanity the first time I did a podcast with him. He always said, will we do a sh- will I do a show? Will we do a show? Sometimes I'm getting my schedule and I'm going to do a show. That vocabulary is a view it's 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 like an insight into how Cody views his channel. He's 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 putting on a show. He's not just playing a video game. So, put on a show. What's your show going to be about? What's it going to be called? What are you going to do? Why should people watch it? That's it. That was a really long rant. Listen, the reason I went off on this tangent is because I've got a lot of ideas and passion and things built up about streaming that I don't really talk about because I don't have that Twitch talk thing anymore. There is another podcast idea I have. I have a name picked out and we might start doing that as well. We might start doing another SNTR presents style format. Uh, anyway, so back to the normal Q and a, yeah, if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google play Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you're like, Oh my gosh, I I wanted to hear about destiny. That was a huge sidebar issue, but I think it relates to this format and SNTR presents though. So if you like this, if you like this content, you should, I think, I think you should hear me talk about this because I'm going to take SNTR presents into other games. And if, if you're enjoying this, I want you to know that I want you to have that ability to tune into this in other games as well. So this was a well-timed comment with what's coming. Next question. Uh, Denirosin says, do you think there should always be delays in the release of the rest of the annual pass content without Activision dictating the time table? Oh, could always be delays in the release. Well, here's the thing. Bungie's still a company that understands video games, and they definitely understand timing, right? They understand timing. You don't want to, you don't want to, like, keep delaying a DLC for forever. 
they now have the power to set DLC timetables in line with what is sensible, right? And that's good. Like that that's that's empowering, right? But that doesn't mean that I think they're going to suddenly start, you know, there's going to be delays in the release of of the rest of the annual pass content, right? I don't think Bungie's going to look at a timetable and they even said in the update they were like that ma- that map is still set and good to go. So they're not going to start saying Joker's Wild is pushed back, this is pushed back. Now that we're not under Activision's thumb, we're going to start shoving the content back. I I don't that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Uh, according to their own promises. Do you think Bungie from MW2 Killer, do you think Bungie should have added a triumph for Niobe Labs? I, that stuff doesn't matter to me as much. I, I do, I did say during my talk, I, I think there could have been better, there could have been better rewards. So, sure, throw in a triumph. <clears throat> Captain Hook, do you think D2 has come a long way since the launch, and do you like the way that it is going? This is, this is a generic question that I, I would think the answer is obvious, but I'm going to answer it. I don't want to br- brush past you here. Yes, Destiny 2 is a different game now. The launch of Destiny 2 was a placeholder. Let's just be honest. Vanilla D2 was scaffolding. It was a placeholder. And Forsaken saved Destiny 2. It may have also saved the franchise. And I love the way that it's going. I've said many times, I think the drip feed content is perfect for the way that we play. And there's a small percentage of people that are like, I don't like it, I don't have anything to do. I think most of the player base is playing and is engaged, and that's a success story. Now, some of that went down, but I believe has kind of rebounded and come back a little bit because of the leveling. The leveling needed streamlined, and I think it's better. I think it's in a better place. Pyro Paul, how do you think they can improve Gambit? Uh, I have a whole talk on this. Uh, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the cliff notes, okay? For people that are here that have never heard my talk, very very briefly, you're gonna want to go watch my entire talk. Invasion needs to be relics, and the relics could then be tuned according to how strong they are with damage, how much overshield you get, and how much wall hacks you get. So you pick the relic before going over, so they could leave our prized weapons alone. Um, invasion needs to be randomized, so you can't get camped, you know, and shot as soon as you invade. Invasion needs to happen less during the boss fights, and the boss fights need to be a little bit longer, closer to the way that the meatball fight goes. If they did all of those things, I think Gambit would, just those things, would be significantly better. And I say that like that's a super easy thing to do, but I think if they started there, that'd be the place to start. At a foundational level, Invasion is the primary reason Gambit's terrible and tilting and not a fun endeavor. And pretty much once people are not needing Gambit for leveling, they basically bounce and don't. As far as I can tell, uh, player behavior seems to be pretty uh, pretty sharp in its shift. Like, once you don't need it, I, I don't feel like a lot of people go in there. So, and I know people are going to comment on you. People are like, I like Gambit. I think Gambit's perfectly fine. I would love the internal data. Oh my gosh. I would love to see daily engagement for Gambit. I, I just really think it's got to be low. It has to be. The more people hit max level, even still, I think more and more people trickle off. Every time they hit max level, I think they stop playing. I don't, I don't know. Uh, JDeck Online. Favorite armor piece for Titan Hunter and Warlock? Um, I really, really love One-Eyed Mask, but Skull Fort's really fun with Code of the Missile because you can keep doing Ballistic Slam. And then Shards of Galanor for Hunter is an easy pick. Real easy pick. Um, 
and Geomags has become my favorite for the for the Warlock. Now, obviously, if you're going for survivability, uh, Phoenix Protocol is maybe a little bit better for PVE survivability, but Geomags is so fun. That Chaos Reach feels like it lasts for forever. So those are my favorite pieces. Shards of Galanor is, I don't think there's much that can compete with it. If I didn't have shards, I would just go back to Ophidius Faith because Knife Trick is so much fun. And if you have a hands-on helmet, hands-on with lots of Knife Trick, you get your super pretty fast anyway. TK Faded. Thoughts on Black Armory overall and hopes and expectations for the next two season passes. I think Joker's Wild is going to be the weakest of the three, maybe even intentionally the weakest of the three um, because they know they're going to lose a lot of people to Division and Anthem. Now, that doesn't mean we should be worried. Everybody that, that has always done this, like, is Anthem going to kill Destiny? Is Division going to kill Destiny? No. As we've said many times, the only thing that can kill Destiny is Destiny, and they almost did it with Destiny 2's launch, right? <laughs> they almost did it. They came real close. Um, but, but the, those games launching makes me think that Joker's Wild, uh, and Season of the Drifter will be the weak point in the annual pass and that Penumbra will be big and really cool and really send us to what I think is going to be the Taken Queen in September. Silent Service. In your opinion, if Bungie had shut down the labs as soon as they realized level 7 was bugged and then announced that they would reopen it fixed, what would have been the best option to remedy the issues the community had? Well, the only problem with that is I like this as a solution, right? I like this as a solution, but I I would worry about timing. If if you if you invested you know twenty something hours in there, it's similar to the code, right? You can't just randomly reopen it. So I think this as soon as they realized something was wrong, they should have basically made an update and said, "You guys are welcome to keep trying, but we're going to close it on this date and time." You basically have twelve hours before we close it to keep trying what you think are the solutions. You know, be warned. You're you know you you don't have. You don't have all the information. A lot of people probably would have just given up at that point. I'm like, well, we'll wait for the more information. And then they close it. Well, then it needs to be very crystal clear when it's getting reopened. All the people that were involved, whether that you were playing, you were on Reddit or watching Twitch as a, as a passive viewer or watching and playing, trying to kind of benefit from everybody's work, you know, watching the forums, Reddit and streamers was probably the most advantageous position if you had a strong team because you could really learn a lot very, very quickly. Um, but I think the timing would have had to been like the clue. I just think, again, it was disrespectful to everybody's time investment and everything everybody did to be like, we know people invested, you know, 30 some odd hours into this, but we're just going to randomly drop a clue on a Friday. I just, I don't know. I just, I felt very, I felt like it was disrespectful to the community's investment up to that point. Not just me. I was actually able to jump in and be a part of it, but I I might not have been able to, and I'd have been pretty ticked if I'd have gotten back from the movies or shut down Netflix for the night with my wife and been like, the frick, what do you mean it's solved? I'd have been annoyed. Um, Because all of it was abnormal. A TWAB on a Friday? What? You said you weren't giving clues, and you suddenly are, and you gave people an hour's notice? It was just very, very mishandled. It was not handled well. It didn't feel like 
the whole of the community was taken into consideration. It's like, why are you kicking us while we're down? We're already annoyed it's taking this long. There's already a bit of a rift in the community because people wanted the forge open and people felt like their time kind of got wasted because it was like we put all that time in and you just unlocked it anyway. And then you're just going to, you're going to pile on insult to injury by being like, Here's a random clue on a Friday night that a lot of you might not have been, you know, around to uh, to benefit from. So, Silence says, where do you think they could go with Niobe Labs ideas with puzzles? I really did enjoy it, and we got way off base because we were trying too hard. We didn't get off base because we were trying too hard. We got way off base because six and seven were crap puzzles. I'm, I'm going to continue to stand by that. I am not ever in this scenario going to side with anybody that even slightly blames the community. Oh, well, it's our fault. We complicated it. And we started looking at Wikipedia's. And bleh. No, it wasn't the community's fault. It was Bungie's fault. They created puzzles that gave vague information. And even once the vague information was, even once the dots were connected, it still was, it still was a little bit like, ah, uh, now how does that mean three people on butterflies shoot trees for frick's sake? Right? You know, and then we didn't go off the deep end. They didn't give us all the information or what information they gave us was vague. Software, thank you so much. And Joseph Peralt with a prime sub. Guys, that was 16 minutes ago. I'm so sorry for missing that. Thank you guys for those new subs. And I'm not saying silence blaming the community, but silent is saying something that a lot of people said time and time again. Oh, we overcomplicated it. We overthought it. People are like, you, you, you guys are really overthinking this. What does that even mean? What do you mean we're overthinking it? There was no information, right? So I will never blame the community for what happened. Not even slightly. The community was awesome. They came together. They were arm in arm and we tried to solve it and we didn't have enough intel. So uh, another one from Silent. Silent's just hijacking Q&A with three in a row. Uh, should Bungie focus on making the enemies more difficult or more puzzles? As of right now, the ads are really just a nuisance, not difficult. Well, but the ads are difficult with mechanics or more than a nuisance. Like I, That's one of the things I enjoyed about Niobe Labs. They took what was already sort of an understood engagement style, right? Killing the, killing the shielded, you know, little shield generators and then killing the guy. And then it, it kind of reminded me of that one wanted lost sector. I felt like it was good. I felt like it touched on what they can do is mechanically make basic enemies hard. Now, you can't... Here's the thing, though. You have to understand, you can't make trash enemies hard, but you can make in, in, interacting with them challenging. Does that make sense? So, like, a trash ad would be an ex- like a shank, right? And shanks are not that threatening. Shanks are not that, you know, they're not that troublesome. They're just shanks for frick's sake, right? You can't make them hard. They only take a couple shots to kill. And they're, you know, they're not shooting anything that's that strong. So, you, but you can make them challenging with mechanics. Do you see the difference? Like, if you want to make a shank hard, you have to change the nature of the shank. What do you do? You make it a boss. You make him big. You make him shoot stronger enemy, uh, wrong, uh, stronger weaponry, uh, and make him, you know, really, really strong. You know what I mean? That's the only way. So I think the mechanics in the forge touch at how they can take, you know, low-level enemies and make them. I don't think they're a nuisance. Um, they made them immune, right? But it's a mechanic. It's a mechanic that means you got to stay away from them. So your engagement with those ads is different. Their only other option is just making them take longer to kill 
or a harder to kill, which means if they take longer to kill, that's health. If they take lo- longer to kill, that's what? Like, they teleport like crazy? That crap's annoying. I think it was fine. I think mechanically doing it is totally fine. Undertow does say in chat, what is confusing to me is that they waited till Friday to tell us the riddle portion that was accidentally in quotes left out. I find it hard to believe that no one at Bungie noticed the seventh clue was completely missing, uh, only discover it Friday. Uh, it's not like that clue helped solve any of the previous puzzle waves. People were already on seven, right? I, I'm starting to side. The more I think about it, I'm starting to side with the people that are like, it wasn't left out, right? To me, I don't know why you would take it on the chin and be like, we made a mistake instead of just saying the clue was too vague are bad. Wouldn't it be better to admit the clue was too vague instead of say we left a piece out? Right? So I'm supposed to believe you just like didn't catch the fact that when the the, the directory had close to 100,000 viewers that... You guys didn't notice? Hey, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed this or not. All the employees at Bungie are watching. Uh, wave 7, there's nothing on the screen. Now, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Now I'm disagreeing with myself. Wave 6 was the big hurdle, like, trip-up point. We didn't get to wave 7 until 7 in the morning on Wednesday. So, that, that at that time, it's 4 in the morning on the West Coast. Right? For all intents and purposes, nobody saw the Wave 7 screen until the next morning. And maybe that's when they were like, um, whoops, we better open the forge today. They're not going to solve this. We left a piece out. That's entirely possible. Six, Wave 6 is still where I hang all the blame. Wave 6, if Wave 6 would have been beaten in a reasonable amount of time, in line with the rest of them, the rest of the waves up to that point, then we would have saw wave seven right away and Bungie might have been like, uh, whoops. Dylan and the other guy were up all night. Yeah, but did Dylan and the other guy know every single interworking of the of the puzzle? Did they? I don't know if they did. I mean, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, maybe the puzzle team got, you know, got into work on Wednesday morning. Like, what's going on? And they watched a clip and they were like, uh, Frank, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Yep, there's a piece missing. Oh, shoot. And then they, like, discuss on what they were supposed to do. And then it's 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 entirely plausible that they said, immediate response is damage control. Open the forge. Secondary response is the clue. We don't want to do that on Thursday because that's the big Activision announcement. Clue goes out on Friday. I could see, I could see that being how things played out. That it did, it did take them until early morning Wednesday to realize what the frick had happened. They have to have meetings. Those meetings turn into damage control conclusions and those damage control conclusions turn into okay, we've 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 messed up here. Like we've we've got to do something, right? So we need to get three uh enemies with power weapons and shotguns. So we do, do we have to do that while we're in? Um, no. And we could do that out and about. Oh, we could do that while we're out and about. So we could do that and that. But we need super kills while participating in a forge ignition. Um, oh, we could do patrols with black armory weapon equipped. We could do that. Okay, so let's do that instead. Um, we'll just use the machine gun. Okay. 
We just need to kind of go on patrols and stuff and kill enemies because I'm trying to get the... I'm trying to get another powerful weapon so I have one more chance at the Jotun. Sorry for the Q&A getting a little disrupted by my thought process. Uh, Snavarette, not sure if you've answered this, but with the conclusion of Niobe Labs and the release of the Final Forge, what has been your final impression of the Black Armory and what Bungie can do with the season's hiccups? Uh, overall, I think Black Armory as a piece of content is good. I think the beginning struggles were because of streamlining leveling, not with the content itself. I think the content was fine, but I think leveling and infusion isn't streamlined. And once that gets addressed, I think this content does does land a whole lot better. And then same thing with the puzzles, right? Niobe Labs was a good event, but Niobe Labs got hurt by bad puzzles. The event itself, I think, was a smart idea. Um, I don't think it would have been that easy for Bungie to see if it was not working. I think the clue was supposed to come from the chest that spawns. My question I submitted kind of goes off that. Yeah, that's a good question from for them is why does that chest spawn? Yeah, maybe that's what was supposed to happen. Maybe there, yeah, maybe that does kind of confirm what we're thinking is that they didn't really realize it. Because look, they wouldn't even realize that that wasn't working if people aren't trying to go in and open up the chest. That's a good thought as well. Like, it, maybe it wasn't even supposed to be on the screen. Maybe you open up the chest and you were supposed to get an item, and said item, you know, had clues on it. You know? I don't know. That 100% could have been a uh, a part of it. You know? So. Next uh, question. Um, oh, but yeah, I think, I think the Black Armory is fine content. I think going forward, Bungie just needs to think about, okay, can people engage with the content at a pace that is in line with, you know, where they, where they are? How do people that are behind catch up? You know, these are all things that need to be dealt with and you don't want to casualify it, but you want to make sure people can enjoy the content. Uh, Toke Sessions says, my friends never play the game anymore. What do you think Destiny can do to bring players back or will they have to do something with D3? Here's the thing. If if people have hit a point where they're, they're bored or done or they're not interested in coming back, I there's not a whole lot Bungie can do and I'll tell you why. Like, how, how do you create hype that centers around, that ultimately centers around just people chasing loot and grinding, right? And, like, for example, if people come back right now and they're like, I'm not digging the content loop, I'm not digging the loot pursuit. Well, Bungie can't reinvent the game again for people like that, Right? Well, we're going to completely reinvent Destiny again, even after Forsaken, because there's a portion of the community that just still doesn't really like the game. Well, if they have franchise fatigue or they're just somewhat burned out, Bungie has to focus on delivering the game that they think is the best version of Destiny for the community that's playing. And if you've burned yourself out, and if you've decided that this just isn't the game for you anymore, there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't necessarily mean that Bungie has to, you know, throw everything they can to get you to come back. If they're consistently delivering things to chase, there's no content drought, there are loot pursuits, right? There are two questions we have to ask. Is the loot pursuit enjoyable, and is the loot worth chasing? I give both those questions weak yeses. 
I give them a yes, but it's a weak yes. These are things that could be improved. The content loop could be a little bit better, and the loot could be a little bit better, right? Um, and so if you're if you're trying to think through like why should my friends be motivated to play? Sometimes people just fall out of love with games. That happened to Call of that happened to me with Call of Duty, okay? I can't play Call of Duty anymore. I played it for 10 years. I played and played and played with my friends. We went on huge win game streaks. Like I just got burned out. In general, I got burned out on PvP, if you want my honest opinion. I just don't like PvP. Now, I like Fortnite. Fortnite's a little bit different. But like I just don't like PvP. I played it for over a decade. Even more than that, if you, if you include the times where I was playing Quake 3, Unreal Tournament, all the way to Call of Duty days... I'm just spent, man. I'm like, cool. Like, no thanks. And if you have played what you think is enough loot pursuit, if you played what you think is enough loot grind, and you're like, I can't do it anymore, you might be like me with Call of Duty. I mean, maybe you've just had enough. I, you know, I don't know. And that's where I don't... I, I think that's where we always want to be careful about, you know, how are we, how are we talking about Bungie fixing the game? And not setting our sights on people that can't be convinced uh, to come back, right? They can't be convinced to come back, and that is—it's not necessarily Bungie's job. If I'm gonna—if I'm gonna summarize my points, I'm gonna summarize it this way: It's not Bungie's job to convince you to play the game. It's Bungie's job to give content worth playing. You see the difference? If they're giving us content worth playing, then they're doing—they're doing their job. And if, if people decide like, I don't really want to, I don't, I'm not really down with this content. I don't really like this content. Well, that's fine. It's not Bungie's job to convince you that it's good. It's Bungie's job to just make it good. And if you come back and play and you feel like it's worth your time, then that's a success story. But sometimes like it wasn't call of duty's job to try to convince me to come back. Like, Oh no, it's different and new and fresh and completely different. I mean, they tried that and that didn't work. That honestly hurt the game's soul and identity, you know, and it drove even more players away. That can happen too. I mean, that's what happened with D2. They, they drove, they drove players away because it was, it was more about like trying to, you know, capture people who had never really played before and in, in the process, the game's soul just kind of vanished. And that's not what you want. I'm about to solo this. I mean, I don't even have... I don't have any ammo. I guess I'm just going to have to wait for some ammo. There we go. Oh, I'm dead. Origami. Oh, what do you think about having secret bosses in the forges as the meatball is to gambit and what mechanics could be implemented to maybe have players make it spawn man I get down with that I could definitely get down with that that'd be kind of cool um, to change you know to have like a boss like be hidden I was worried this was gonna happen he was gonna spawn after I wasted all my blood and treasure on the uh, on the public event I'm trying to get him for a bounty Cause I want to get my final, um, I want to get my final Jotun chance. So we're going to have to battle him and it shouldn't be too hard. Yeah. I like the idea. Like, and I've said this before. I think the encounters in the forge are really fun. I think they're really fun. I think they're unique. I love the style of like, you got to kind of memorize. 
I wish it was a little more consistent with like the way that uh, I wish it was a little bit more consistent with the way that they decide to say like servitor kiting and stuff like that I don't know that to me is 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 one of the problems with with the encounters themselves is they can get a little glitchy uh, they can get a little glitchy and that can be frustrating especially considering there's no checkpoints right like without checkpoints you can really waste a lot of time uh, you can really waste a lot of time going all the way to wave like five or six and then a servitor miss kites and then you fail and not because you did anything wrong but like we'll be all in the middle shooting the servitors and then he just decides to teleport and go with the frick somewhere else and I don't know like what are you supposed to do about that there's not a lot of response uh ed to the word uh says uh edward like ed to the word i get it uh it appears that when bungie makes content it's either too casual or too hard core no between such as the pendulum being between the thunderlord and opening getting a thunderlord and opening the last forge yeah that's a pretty good pendulum swing thoughts as to where the trouble is with the whole community this is what i think happens okay this is what I think happens. I think a lot of people play Destiny and a lot of people love Destiny. Like if you go and you watch my hardcore versus casual debate video, I basically talk about how a lot of people love the game equally, but in loving the game equally, they think every piece of content should be for them, right? And so this is what ends up happening. Niobe Labs lands. And this is Bungie's to blame a little bit for this because the forge behind Niobe Labs is basic. It's easy. It's meat and potatoes content that is a part of the annual pass, right? So it's reasonable for people to be like, I would like to go in there and play that. And so Bungie made the mistake, I think, of weaving those two things together. Niobe Labs is not for you if you're like a couple hours a week player and you don't really care about that kind of crap. You just want to go shoot bad guys and get guns. There's nothing wrong with you wanting to play that way. I would never tell somebody to play the game any differently because the people that were telling people how to play differently based on the fact that like if you want to get, you know, enhancement cores, people were telling you how to play. I strongly reject that. But the flip side of that coin in the other side of that issue is don't expect every piece of content to be made for you. Rage shouldn't be super accessible or super easy. Oh, that's not fair. I can't get a team together. Oh, we can't beat it. Tough luck. Get in there and beat it, Cupcake. I don't care, right? I get, I get pretty brazen with people that want all content to be muddy, you know, muddled down and watered down so that oh, anybody can go play it. No, there are content pieces that aren't made for you. Trials wasn't made for everybody. Niobe Labs wasn't made for everybody. Raids aren't made for everybody. The Shattered Throne isn't made for everybody. That's okay. But what ends up happening is passion and love for the game makes people sort of like blind to that reality. And they're like, no, all of it, all of it should be for me. I want to play everything. I want to get everything. That is that affinity and that emotion and that desire is understandable, but it's not necessarily fair, right? It's not fair to act like everything Bungie cranks out should be exactly catered to how you play and when you play. Does that make sense? Oh, I work too much. Oh, I don't have enough time. Oh, I this. Oh, I that. Well, you know, not everything's for you. Yeah. So, 
I think there's two things at play there, and I think sometimes people just need to be told, you know, this is uh, this is this isn't this isn't designed for you. No worries, silent. Disaster says, what in your opinion on a Bungie basically? Oh, what is your opinion on Bungie basically waiting until Friday to let us know the clue was missing? Do you think they expected someone to solve it before the clue? I mean, I'm gonna do a little toot toot to my own horn here. I had it solved on Thursday off the cuff, right? That's part of the problem is everyone's throwing out possible suggestions. And then the more I thought about it, I really fought for and argued for that being the solution on Friday afternoon. I just didn't have a team that could get to the end and that was a problem, right? Um, so they it was solvable without the clue, right? <laughs> I solved it without the clue, and I should have. I should have went in with a team. Maybe I should have just kept my mouth shut. It, they would have given the clue on Friday anyway, so it kind of doesn't matter. But I mean, the clue was too vague. Is the problem? It shouldn't take people thinking all day Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday enough to think about it, right? And I'm not some kind of genius. I think, as I said before, I think it would have gotten solved Wednesday with a checkpoint system, right? I think it would have gotten solved Wednesday with the checkpoint system. Somebody would have thought, we're getting hit markers with the ringing nail. What if I did the activation code with the ringing nail, but I can't see, so I have to kind of like swap back and forth between this and my machine gun. The problem is, as you get there, it's not even like a checkpoint. It's how the fights play out. It's how the fights play out. You're, I mean, you are basically... Like, you gotta play really, really well and really, really efficiently to even have a chance to get to the end. And when you do, you're, <laughs> you're, you're hoping, you're hoping that you leave yourself with enough time to punch in the potential code, right? And that, so the structure and the lack of checkpoints made, that just hit the, hit the, hit the vagueness of the clue, and it just made it awful. I mean, it just made it awful. I mean, just be honest. It was, it just wasn't, it just wasn't good. It just wasn't good. So, I think it would have been solved with checkpoints, but again, like, the vagueness of the clues justified a checkpoint system, I think, right? Up to wave six, it didn't make sense to have a checkpoint system because it was basically like, take a picture, plug this into some cipher, plug this into something, look at the map, solve it, you know, and then it, and then we and then it spit out the answer, so you didn't need a checkpoint. But the fact that like Brosaliende and the picture of the swords was so vague, that justified the, the, a checkpoint system. It would not have been way too easy, Warpheus. It's still really difficult encounters. Six and seven are tough encounters. They really are. And the clues were really vague. It look how long it took to solve stand on butterfly and shoot tree. It still would have taken a long time for somebody to figure that out. It was so vague. You're acting like checkpoint system would have suddenly made the the, the, the clues not ridiculously vague. They didn't they didn't say anything. Shackadelli with eight months, welcome back. So that's that's how I that's how I ultimately land on it. Yes, yeah, so those of you interested, we have a clip to prove it. I'm not trying to claim I deserve any kind of accolades. What I'm saying is it was solvable before Friday. But because it took us that long to get there, it was really easy to dismiss possible solutions because you're like, surely by now somebody has tried this. And I didn't even get a chance to try because I didn't anticipate trying. We had somebody on our team who hadn't done it before. 
And when you have somebody on your team who hasn't done it before, you're just not going to have a polished fight. You know, you got to have that end game, that end fight polished if you uh, if you want to have a chance of putting in any kind of a code because it's time based, right? If it wasn't time based, if it was just a matter matter of sending the boss and then the timer kicks in, we might have gotten it. We might have been able to take a crack. But it was just like, by the time we sent him, the, the timer was so low, it was like, we, we tried a couple different combinations, and then it was too late. We got to try, I think, twice. Um, next question. Madrout D2, what is the best way to farm for Monarch? Uh, do your powerful engrams every week, uh, your powerful f- forge, forge uh, frames, and do them in that forge, that third forge. I'm fairly certain that's how you get it. So do powerful, powerful bows, I think. Leviathan, do you really think Bungie had an error or was it just an excuse? I asked because everyone was complaining about the clue for days. So Bungie should have seen the error pretty quickly. I already kind of outlined a, a way that things could have played out. Ninji didn't get through wave six until close to seven in the morning on Wednesday. So if it was supposed to come out of the box underneath and nobody was really opening the box, it'd be really easy for the the puzzle design team to not really get clued into the fact that we were missing pieces until midday Wednesday. Well, midday Wednesday, they make the decision to open the forge. They're like, we're, they tell us, like, we're going to be opening the forge at, at thus and so time. And they didn't want to roll out a clue on Thursday and do a TWAB because there was no planned TWAB on Thursday. Why? They were announcing their split with Activision. So there was a lot of timing issues that makes me think they could have very easily done it and there is a piece missing. Like, that, th- it is entirely possible. Um, and again, the reason I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt here is it makes you look worse to admit fault instead of just saying, sorry, it was a little vague and it made it difficult to deduce exactly what you were supposed to do. We're going to roll out a clue. You know what I'm saying? Apologizing for vagueness is still admission of fault, but it's not the same as saying we literally left a freaking piece out. You see what I'm saying? Like, it makes them look worse, which is why I think it's true, right? Like, if someone gives testimony in a court hearing and their testimony makes them look kind of skeezy and kind of bad, it kind of gives their, their, their testimony credibility. You're like, well, I don't think this person would make themselves look bad, Right? So I don't think Bungie is making themselves look bad while also lying. That would be stupid. I I, I don't know. So could they mention it right away? Glad did spend another day trying on Thursday. Okay, here's the problem. Here's the here's the problem, and this is why I think they handled it so poorly. Telling Glad that a piece is missing is information that says it's not really solvable. Stop playing, and maybe they were worried if they said that it would seem like a clue and then they would stay in there and then they would have solved it and no one else would have gotten it solved right that's why I don't understand if you're not going to let Glad know it's not solvable him and Clyde were in there for for freaking ever right you're not even willing to say uh there's a piece missing sorry uh emergency update we're not gonna we're not gonna do anything right now if you want to keep trying you're more than welcome to but we're, we're planning to release a clue on Friday at this time well, that would have at least been an entire day's worth of notice, right? Like <laughs> that would have at least been that would have been something. 
Uh, and it would have saved him a lot of trouble. He could have done something else. <laughs> he could have done something else. I mean, Glad's not going to complain. Any of us that were in there isn't going to complain. Every time we went in there, like, our viewership spiked, and a ton of people came in and hung out and got exposed to our content. So, like, the relevancy of the put the potential solution was good for streamers. Like, but the people that stayed up all night on Reddit and raid, you know, raid secrets and everything else, they probably should be the most exp- disappointed because it's like, wait, we couldn't even solve it. There was a piece missing. Like, we don't get any, we don't get any streamer clout for for being for being in chat and stuff, you know. So, uh, I'm gonna move to the next question. Uh, Helta420 says, do you think they should add stuff and renew stuff from Leviathan? Because the only thing right now. Uh, there's Midnight Coup. There's no reason to go in there anymore. I mean, I don't really know how I think about this. I think, I think if a, if a piece of content like the raid, like the Leviathan raid, is put on the shelf for a while and then brought back, I think it's better served than than having. I think that's a be- that serves the content better than immediately as soon as we're one year away, bumping it up and raising it up and random rolling all the stuff. It was Age of Triumph worked because there was this there was this window of time in the game's history where those things weren't relevant. Do you see what I'm saying? So I would wait if they're going to do it. T Funk, why do you think Bungie hasn't created a new dungeon? Do you think uh, we will see a new dungeon? They might want to do one new dungeon per new DLC quote new area. So maybe we'll get a dungeon in the Dreadnought in September. That could be pretty cool. I don't know if they want to just keep cranking out dungeons. If you think about the Shattered Throne, I don't have to be a developer to know that 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 place is pretty complicated, and it's it's like a strike and a raid had a baby, right? And and it's cooler and longer than Crota, and that kind of content takes bandwidth that they may not have right now. And if they do have that kind of bandwidth right now, do they want to spend it on something that is primarily? targeting hardcore like really hardcore one percenters i know that annual pass and content right now is targeted towards one percenters but they have to be careful if they listen here's here's what i think some people are missing okay let's let's draw a comparison if destiny 2 was created for casuals which led to the poor reception right accessibility was too high casualification was too high there was nothing for veteran players right I don't think the answer is to create a game that is the antithesis of Destiny 2 vanilla where casuals feel like there is literally nothing in the game for them that I believe is a mistake that is what you would call an overreaction right We've said before, like, Bungie, don't nerf a gun to make another gun feel stronger. Like, if you go into a room and ever all these kids are playing with blocks, you don't, you don't, like, break the blocks or mess them up. Or usually we say a train, right? They're playing with a train. You don't break the train or make the train less cool so that they go play with the blocks or the Legos in the corner, right? Make the Legos or the blocks cooler is usually what they say, okay? I'm going to make this analogy that's going to be similar. If you go into a room and you have this toy that's been created and there's like, you know, two two out of 20 kids playing with the toy and the rest of the kids are ignoring it, you might think product development, well, let's make the toy better so more kids want to play with it. 
But if you if you take the toy out of those two kids' hands and you're like, okay, we're not really appealing to enough people, you take it back to the workshop, you work on it, you bring it back, and it ends up in the hands of three kids instead of two, but it's a different set of three kids, you've not gained a whole lot, right? You've just shifted loyalty and engagement from casuals, a, a small percentage of casuals, to a small percentage of hardcore players. You've not gained a whole lot. The best thing to do in this example is to go into the room and say, okay, this toy, this activity appeals to this section of the community, the casuals, right? What can we create to satisfy the hardcore guys over here and not take the take the toys away from these kids here? And, and the phrase that we would use would be robbing Peter to pay Paul. Don't rob Peter to pay Paul. Pay Paul. <laughs> you see? Keep paying Peter and keep paying Paul. Like, that's what you want to do. You want to invest in the, the the aspects of the game that appeal to both sides. Don't don't please one side at the at the at the suffering of the other. That's why when people argue for enhancement cores to be an infusion, that's essentially what they're doing. Is they're arguing for a hardcore sentimentality, a hardcore grind that number one doesn't touch them, but also they're arguing for their enjoyment at the lack of enjoyment of others. Instead of saying, well, what if we use enhancement cores for something else? What if we use them for enhancing perks? What if we use them for something else for the hardcores to grind for um and when you do that you aren't taking away from one side of the player base and this is a really long answer to your question about dungeons but i personally feel like when you look at dungeons and how and how long they're developed and how how much time they probably take to develop i think you are dealing with content that ends up you know landing on a small subset of the community and you don't want to, you don't want to be putting in time and energy into content like that instead of other things. So then, behind the scenes, they're robbing Peter to pay Paul. If that makes sense, that was a long answer, but I think the answer is to. And here's the other thing to consider: is is the Shattered Throne enjoyable because there's it's it's kind of its own thing, and wouldn't quantity start to take away from dungeons being enjoyable if they're infrequent? That helps their quality, does it not? That, like, just from a development standpoint, it helps their quality. Like, look at what we get from raids. Raids are spaced out. Raids are better when they're spaced out, right? They're bigger. They're better. They're, there's more thought put into them. And their infrequency helps with their quality. So that's another thread to consider, too, when you're thinking about dungeons. So, your question didn't get answered. You have no idea when it was received. If it was a stupid question, it might have gotten deleted, or it could just be far down the list. There's a lot of questions, man. Uh, caging. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Izanimi Burden Sniper being connected? Or did I skip over it? Did I skip over it by mistake? No, I didn't. Uh, the Izanimi Sniper being a kinetic weapon. In my opinion, the weapon would be so much better if it had an elemental burn. Um, it is difficult justifying using the burden with the wisp when the whisper exists. Izanami or uh, the Izanami's burden, Izanagi, Izanagi's burden. I think is what it is. Izanagi's burden is not meant to replace whisper. It's meant to be used in a completely different way. Like, Whisper is a hold-the-line DPS weapon. Izanagi's meant to be a spicy a spicy weapon in PvP and Gambit, I think. Because when they talked about it in the trailer, they're like, it'll kill somebody with a body shot. They didn't talk about PvE. So, I don't... I think it's fine where it is. Uh, T-Punk, do you think Yuma should come to EU and NA as a way to tease exotics? 
Uh, I, I don't know what this is. I don't know what you're talking about. Yuma should come to EU as a way to tease exotics. Is that something that's in the, in the, in the eight, the, what is it? Isn't that like a Korean version of destiny? I don't know what the frick you're talking about with this question. Uh, Thomas funk Yuma is on the Asia server. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I give us, our, give us exotics, right? Right. Give us, uh, give us exotics. Give us the stupid wave splitter. You know what I'm saying? Quit with, quit with the, the exclusivity. Naruto master. Uh, do you think they should do something like Niobe Labs again? Yes, I answered that already. I do think they should do it again. Pudknocker says, do you think puzzle being as complicated as it was may have been a ruse to keep the community focused on the game while a Bungie Activision split was taking place? No. What are you talking about? No. The, the puzzle being hard is not going to distract from, like, globally tr- trending Twitter news. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Every YouTuber, every video game news outlet talked about it. There wasn't like a, there wasn't, there was no way that was a distraction from the announcement. If anything, Bungie seemed to be wanting people to pay attention to the announcement because they didn't just tack it into a TWAB. It it was its own announcement. And then the TWAB got shoved to another day. So no, I don't think this was meant to be a distraction. I truly think they thought it was going to get solved in somewhere between six and 10 hours. I truly don't think they thought it was going to last this long. So, again, six and seven puzzles are the the culprits here. I, I don't think there's I don't think there's some kind of sinister looky-loo distraction game afoot. Crafty's wiggly balls. <laughs> we love Crafty. Uh, this is not him, but it's somebody who's fascinated with him. I think maybe. <laughs> Although Niobe Labs is a unique concept, it wasn't played by a majority of the player base. Do you think Bungie should focus their development on other types of content rather than outlier uh, from the norm? This is such a well-timed question after me talking about like going in the room and being like, well, these kids aren't playing with the train. Let's take the train away and build it differently so then these kids on the other side of the room uh, play with it. I think the best thing to do when you go into the room is give all the different kids things to play with, right? So not every kid's going to come in the room and play with the train, and that's totally fine. Not every kid's going to come in the room and play with the Legos, and that's fine. In my mind, Niobe Labs is a complicated Lego set, and a lot of kids are going to come in the room and be like, no thanks, I just want to play with guns. I just want to do this. I just want to play with blocks. I just want to, you know, I just want to whatever. I think different segments of the community giving getting content that is unique and right in their alley is good. But again, as we said, said as I said with Shattered Throne, infrequency is the key. If every single time an annual pass deliverable drops something, it's got some convoluted puzzle in it, people could start to complain and be like, why are you focusing so much on this type of content? Like, I don't hang out on Reddit, Twitter, forums, Twitch, or YouTube. This is stupid. Like, can, can, can we get some love? But if every annual pass deliverable has one... Right, and every big DLC has one dungeon. I think that's fine. I think that's fine, as long as you're not tipping the scales too much toward one type of player. Amo, I have been farming hand cannons and uh, reading on it lately. Some seem to prefer drop mag, when others don't even mention it. What's your view on the perk, especially kill clip rampage, surrounded rampage? Uh, to me, surrounded is contextual based off of playing in a way that I think is dumb. Um, I don't think people naturally play 
in a way where they would be like barrel stuffing with a hand cannon. The hand cannon's effective range is at a range where it doesn't make sense to get that close to get surrounded to proc. So then you're playing kind of weird. Uh, and the physics and the smacking and the punching of the enemies, I just, I don't think getting a weapon that is at its best when you're you're having to unnaturally get close. Now, the forge is naturally putting you in that scenario anyway, right? You're just naturally getting sur- quote unquote surrounded. I think Kill Clip Rampage stacking is better because it's just more in line with all of the rhythm of combat in PvE, right? You're always killing enemies and reloading. And since Rampage can keep going, it makes sense then to just keep shooting, keep stacking Rampage, and then periodically you're reloading and you're getting Kill Clip thrown in there as well for like a little bit extra punch. Realistically speaking, the context in which you use the Orchid you don't really need kill clip and rampage on top of each other. It's just a fun build because it's a type of gun. It's a type of perk combination you can't really get anywhere else. So, I don't necessarily know if if it's a big debate worth having just because you don't need the two to stack. But I do think that Surrounded is too contextual and the context in which Surrounded thrives is one where I don't think a lot of the times you're going to play that way. If you're going into truly challenging content where there's a lot of enemies, there's a lot of strong enemies, whether it's a raid or something, are you going to play that way? Are you going to play in an unnatural way and barrel stuff with a hand cannon? Probably not. You're going to play intelligent and stay back on corners and whatnot, which means the effective range of the hand cannon is going to dictate where you use it, which means you're kind of wasting... um, you're kind of wasting the the slot on surrounded so uh ness2430 do you think it would have been a better solution to just place the clue into level seven once they announced and screwed up the puzzle well listen if you're going to announce that you messed up right and you're going to say there's not enough info to solve it okay and this is this is again this is where i this is where my frustration stem for out of respect for the people that have poured hours into your puzzle, it it just seems reasonable to say, we're going to give a clue, and here's ample warning, not an hour and a half, on a random, out-of-the-ordinary Friday TWAB. TWABs don't typically go out on Friday, right? And they also typically go out quite a bit earlier than that one went out. So there was a lot, in my opinion, working against this being the right call. So... Beezer, Lono, do you think that Penumbra will be more of this type of puzzle solving um, in Raid Secrets? Having a chance, and only people in Raid Secrets will have a chance to progress to the DLC. This is extremely presumptuous and not really grounded in anything. Like, one complicated puzzle that was admittedly mishandled by Bungie shouldn't have you worried that you're going to go into you're going to go into Penumbra and not be able to enjoy the content unless you're like a raid secrets guru, right? I don't I don't think there's a there's any there's any justification of this in this of this fear. No. I think I think if there's puzzle solving in Penumbra, it'll be in raids or content like Niobe that's meant to be really challenging in end game and its focus and I think that's fine. Like I think it's fine to go into a raid and to say this content's going to be the absolute hardest and some of that's going to include puzzles. Now, traditionally speaking, Bungie doesn't, Bungie does not create puzzles that are 
that you know, that are needing to be like solved outside of the game with language and ciphers in raids. That's typically not what they do. This is a unique event and a one-time thing that if they do another one like it, I don't think it's even going to be in I don't think this type of content would be in a raid. Um so I I think this type of content has its place, but it certainly doesn't belong in a raid. I, that that would be a very strange decision uh to say the least. So uh, Ozik says, do you think uh, it will be difficult for Bungie to create a puzzle that's difficult like that and still give hints that don't make it too easy? If Naomi was solved in two hours, I don't think uh, many would be talking about it and they would focus and would focus on how it isn't much of the content again. Well, right. Like, I, I'm not saying you make it so hard that it takes a week to solve, right? I, there, I, I don't know. There's a reasonable amount of time that an escape room or a riddle or, you know, a, a puzzle should take you, right? I think there's a reasonable amount of time. Like, if we're going to talk about reasonable, there should be reasonable ammo drops. Like, the fact that I wasn't able to get any heavy, we're probably going to fail this forge because I literally couldn't get any heavy. And so here I sit, killing ads, killing ads, killing ads, and not getting any heavy, so we're going to fail this in- encounter. Because I guess I wasn't the only person that ran out of heavy. Like, everybody else was up there with Icebreaker, um, and we're going to fail the encounter. Why? Because Bungie's ammo economy is a joke, even after the game's been out this long, right? I think it's reasonable. (laughs) It's reasonable for me to get ammo to do what you're asking me to do, and it's reasonable for a puzzle to be solved, you know, not, not take four days, you know? So... Fallen and taken armaments, endless heavy. Yeah, a rare, a rare, like mod that drops in raid chests. Like, sure, that makes sense. That's an excuse for crap ammo economy. Uh, Roy Ashton. I'm just gonna keep the icebreaker on. I guess I just, I'll just keep it on, and then, um, I don't even know. I guess I'll have to pull over, uh, the Icolos. You know, let's go with the cliche loadout because the ammo economy in Destiny is 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 literal crap. Like, let's just go with the. The tried and true, I've run this loadout for a thousand years loadout. Um, icebreaker, whisper, whatever. Um, Ice cold. What do you think of the rewards for finishing the lab puzzle? Besides, how, I already answered this. You weren't here, I guess. I don't think they're good enough. They could be better. Ruku, Solono, do you think that Bungie either panicked with the way they're extra... Guys, you're all asking the same question. Try, try... Uh, to not ask a question that's already been asked. I know people stumble in here and haven't seen the whole thing, but this has been asked hundreds of times. We've speculated ad nauseum, so I'm not mad at anybody that asked this question, but I don't want to keep answering it. So if I brush over your question, don't get upset, uh, but I'm not going to keep saying, you know, did they panic? Did they overestimate? We've, we've answered this question um, to, the, to the fullest extent we can answer it. The Shark, what do you think should have been the reward for Nio Labs? See, again, we, we've already answered that. What are your predictions for the major antagonist in D3? Do you think we'll be able to choose sides? I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do the choose between light and dark thing. Okay? Um, I'm, okay I, I, I'm, I'm okay with us just continuing to be warriors of light. I think a lot of people want this, like, choose light, choose dark thing, and I don't think, I don't think they're going to do that. I realize you already answered it. Yeah, it's not a big deal, guys. I just want to, I just don't want people to feel like, man, he brushed over my question, what the frick? Like, I want to at least give a reason, like, just try to look at questions as they're getting asked, too, because sometimes questions are literally, like, two questions away from each other. And it's like, mm, just try to watch chat if you can. It's not a big deal. I just don't want people to feel like I'm just 
skipping questions, be, you know, haphazardly. Um, I think the antagonist in D3 is going to be the ancient foe of the Traveler. Uh, the ancient foe of the Traveler has no place in D2, and it's on the way. And I believe the protagonist that will be helping us is the stranger. I think it'll be the stranger. She's going to show back up and probably have a different voice actor. They don't need to get Lauren Cohen. Like, it's been long enough. You just can't get another great female voice actor. I mean, for Pete's sakes, they didn't do Nathan. They didn't have Nathan Fillion for Forsaken, and Cade was all throughout it. So, uh, as talented as Nolan North is, I don't think Nolan North's going to be able to uh, do uh, the voice acting for Lauren, Lauren Cohen. <laughs> Tux with a long one. During Niobe Torment, world's first attempts, many people said there should be checkpoints after each bypass. I believe Bungie was afraid it would make the encounter trivial once you know the solutions for all bypasses. I think they could introduce Toggle, have the checkpoints in place uh, until they confirm world's first completion and then remove the checkpoints. What are your thoughts on the matter of checkpoints? Here's the thing. I think... I think I like I hear where you're coming from on your point, but I think you're I think you're minimizing just how challenging the encounters are. Right? Look, if you fight your way all the way to wave seven and you fail, and you know what to do because of Reddit and because you know and because of the and because of all the solutions that have already been outlined, right? You you watched a YouTube guide. Um if you know all of the solutions, it's still a difficult encounter. Managing six and seven as far as the rooms and the damage and your ammo and your and your supers and stuff, um, I I don't know if I don't know if that suddenly makes it super easy just because there's checkpoints. Because think about it, waves one through five aren't that tough. Are we gonna try? Are you gonna try and argue that waves one through five are actually challenging? No, they're not really. Does anybody really wipe during waves one through five? No, not really. So all you're doing is is making people replay what amounts to pretty trivial content, and all it does is extend their time and exhaustion for what purpose, right? It just it doesn't it doesn't matter who solved it first after the hint. Nobody solved it. Like there are th- nobody solved it. This raid secrets deduced it and gave the answer to a streamer, and then the streamer did it. This idea that we're going to try and find one person that solved it's ludicrous. Who solved the shooting of the trees, right? Oh, Ninji did. I mean, did he? Did he decipher the thing with raid secrets with the jewels? Or did Ninji use information from the decipher to solve it? You see what I'm saying? It's never as simple as who solved it, right? It was a giant community effort. So, yeah, it's... That was why putting out one clue the way that they did should have been done a whole lot better. Because at that point, the community was all working together. Um. Yeah, I don't think I don't think checkpoints would have trivialized it. I think I think I think wave six and seven is where the true challenge lies, and you're just you're just kiting people through trivial content. What amounts to almost like jumping puzzles in a raid? Like it's almost like you're making me do pretty basic content just to get to where the real challenge is. Uh DCG silent. Do you think we will see any more content from or relating to Black Army before Joker's Wild? Or is Niobe, Niobe Bergerzia, whatever. Ada One mentioned something about Izanagi's verse and unlocking BA's final secrets. Well, I mean, that basically is what, what we're doing now, isn't it? I mean, it, it, I don't even know. I mean, it, 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 
They could. I mean, I was clueless about the fact that there was there was another forge coming, so I might not be the best person to ask about this. I there's the last word, and then there's Crimson Days, and I, that's that's pretty much where I think it's all landing. That's just referencing the mysterious data pack quest. Yeah, I thought it was just referencing stuff that was already been you know already happening. K.H. Barry, what are your thoughts on priming grams at 650? Some uh, Seems like a lot of people are upset their usefulness in the endgame. Should their only purpose be leveling, or should there be an endgame purpose as well? There's a couple things they could do with this. You could turn them in for a random roll of exotic armor you've already got, because at that point, uh, you're getting a, you know, a handful of chances every week um, to get an exotic armor roll that you don't presently have. And then there's the option of maybe pulling a random piece of any gear out like let's say you really like a pair of gauntlets from the raid and you get a prime engram maybe you could just pull them right out of the collection and try and get a roll that you want they could do a lot of different things with primes once you're 650 the game needs to change when you hit 650 in general it's not just primes it's milestones right it's not just primes it's milestones like I didn't realize the boss was here I am uh, sorry to the team that I'm with uh Milestones are completely and utterly worthless once you're once you're 650, and that's a problem too. Like if you look at the map and you don't do any milestones, that's an awful lot of content that you're not doing at all week to week that could be repurposed and could be doing something else for you in the end game. Uh, J J Green Dandy J Green Dandy with the next question says, "Do you think D3 would benefit from being a standalone product or move to subscription model to steadily expanding the universe built on existing material?" All right, here's the thing. I I don't know if at this point you can defend leaving Destiny in this engine. There are new consoles on the horizon. Uh, this engine and the old consoles are really limiting with what you can do. So I don't, I don't necessarily know. That was my last chance for Jotun, by the way, just there. Um, that was my last chance for Jotun, and I didn't get it. Uh, and I guess we got this. I guess we got this, Mark. Um, so I, uh, the uh, the nature of, of expanding the game, I really do feel like they need to dig in and do another engine. Um I think there is some credence to this because of the fact that they're going on their own and we saw Epic and Xbox and Sony jump on that tweet. Um, And doing a standalone product I think would be a really good move. And here's why. If they say, here's Destiny 3, new engine, new worlds, you know, uh, new consoles, new platforms, whatever. If it's all stressed, if everything about it that's stressed is new... That's inviting to people who haven't been playing. If you're like, here's Destiny 3 on, you know, Xbox One and PS4, uh, and it's basically a continuation of Destiny 2, or if you just keep building on Destiny 2, I just feel like that's way less winsome. Uh, That's way less winsome, and I think it's more winsome and inviting to people who uh, are maybe on the fence. Maybe they're like, ah, I've never really checked out Destiny. I just think you're always more likely to get people to come in if it's got that new car smell, you know? And Destiny doesn't have that new car smell if you just keep adding on to Destiny 2. 
So, I mean, that would just be my take on it. I mean, I don't know the market research, but I also think there's just something about marketing a new name, a new banner, a new everything. And then again, if they really get to drive home the fact that, like, this is a brand new game, brand new engine, you know, that's important too. FWC Guardian, now that we know the puzzle was missing pieces, do you think Bungie should have told everyone day one seems cruel to waste days? We've theorized that it could have been possible they didn't know until midday Wednesday. <clears throat> and then they wanted to push the amounts of it back just a little bit. Silent, do you think there should have been some sort of sound cue that would have hinted when we were close instead of being completely blind? No, because that's more brute force, right? If if we're if we're like blindly no clues, you know, just like banging on the wall until you hear the, you know, until you hear the the studs on the other side, that's I mean, that's an argument for brute forcing it, and that I think is 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 not necessary. I think checkpoints with the clues we were given would have been the perfect balance or more elaborate, more clear clues for 6 and 7 and no checkpoints. Corn, what do you think about seals? I don't really care about them. I think that the clues were supposed to be in the chest. Otherwise, it serves no purpose. We also know that their engine is terrible to change stuff and adapt. They may have had time to insert the clue into the chest. I'm, I mean, they may, oh, they may have not have time. I have no idea. The chest underneath seems like it was supposed to be something. Um, it does. It seems like it was supposed to be something. So I would say that, you know, th- they may not have had time to do it. And that's fine. You don't have to. To me, my frustration wasn't with, oh, they should have done a hot fix. My frustration was, why wasn't the community given ample warning before you basically handed us the answer on a silver freaking platter? Like, that was my frustration. It seems awfully like, in, in an age where people talk about favoritism to streamers and doing stuff for streamers, how could you not be miffed if you weren't in, if you were involved but you weren't a streamer or you wanted to try to solve it or you were on Raid Secrets or Reddit or whatever, and then you feel like, wow, they really made sure that these streamers were able to get it done in 20 minutes and like nobody else really mattered, I guess, you know, like tweeting to make sure glad was up stuff like that. Like that's not why glad got it, but like that just looks bad. You don't want to look like, you don't want to look like it's like some like shadowy deal where they're like, we want to quickly kind of like, like a random Friday, 12 random one hour warning. And then while we make sure this streamer is ready to go, we mentioned him in a tweet and then he's the one that solves it. That looks bad. That's, that's not Glad's fault. That's on Bungie. They didn't handle this very well. They should have said, clue on this day at this time. Everybody get ready. It's, you know, you got you got three or four days advance warning. Um, I, don't, I don't know. It just didn't. It, the whole thing felt really lame because of that. Because of that. Dawless Archer. Do you think uh, this is the end of the armory content? I don't know. Somebody already asked that. I, I think so. I think the last word and the Crimson Days is going to land everything. Software. Uh, where do you rank Scourge of the Passing in comparison to the other raids? It's up there at the top for me. I, I have it up there with Wrath because of how fun it is. I think the end boss fight is one of the coolest boss fights, if not the coolest boss fight in all of Destiny. Everything you're required to do managing his shields, managing stunning his attacks, going and getting the berserkers, uh, managing the map, uh, all of it I think is brilliant. And then the, the damage, the damage cycles on him are empowered by intelligence and navigating, uh, mechanics. It reminds me of wrath when you would, uh, master the, um, the plates. Like it just, it feels so good to bake him. And I don't know, it feels nice. It's just, 
it's 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 probably one of the best boss fights in all of destiny and i love it 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 needed another boss i wish they would have put a boss in the beginning if a boss would have come out in the beginning area and you were still driving around and getting bombs to throw at him to take his shield down, that wouldn't have been that hard to code. Just a big tanky boss. Still use the map. Still use the balls. You're using... You know how the the wave one informs wave two? That They did that with Axis, right? Servitors and the cannons informed wave two. They did that with the final boss in Scourge, right? What you did in wave one informed wave two. They could have done that at the beginning of the, of the raid and it wouldn't have been that difficult. You already created everything. So, uh... G. Hogan, uh, what are some ideas you think could make more perk diversity outside of Kill Clip, Rampage, Firefly, etc.? Change the old perks or add new ones? Uh, may have talked about this previously. Yeah, I mean, I have an entire talk about perk diversity, and what it came down to was, thanks, babe. What it came down to was adding perks that are kind of in line with um, onslaught. Okay, if we already are at the if we are already sitting at the kill efficiency ceiling with guns like midnight coup Ikala shotgun uh, the the breakneck a really really good roll on the orchid a really really good roll on the warden's law or the blast furnace right they are all at the ceiling of the efficiency of a primary weapon then just keep rolling out weapons that are at that efficiency but that have really cool perks like onslaught on the breakneck that I think is how you get perk diversity you're not going to get perk diversity there's not an endless way to make us powerful right the current encounters are built the current structure of destiny is built there's trash ads there's majors there's shielded enemies and then there's bosses and mini bosses right so if if you're going to you know add perk diversity it has to be done in a way that it is about how the perk feels not about us feeling endlessly like we're on this endless spectrum of power growth. It just isn't possible. Because then what ends up happening is is you leave behind everybody who doesn't have the weapons. Like they, they basically can't play the content. If you make the content as hard as it is we are powerful, then you have to use the new stuff only. And so you narrow freedom and then you narrow accessibility because it's like you got to grind for all the good new stuff. So as long as we're at the as long as we're at the ceiling of efficiency, that's what I would do. Always have a pinnacle weapon at the tip of a uh, at the tip of a weapon pyramid. If you introduce a new a new pulse rifle, hand cannon, auto rifle, whatever in Joker's Wild, random rolls and a curated roll, and the curated roll has a pinnacle perk on it that, that you can't get anywhere else, and it makes it really fun. Desperado, onslaught, magnificent howl, trench barrel. These are all pinnacle perks. Just give us more. All it has to do is get the weapon to that ceiling of efficiency. Sasquatch, uh, would you like to see Bungie expand upon augmented weapons and let them have perks they otherwise couldn't get? For example, Waking Vigil could get a roll with Outlaw Rampage, and it would have the first 150. I think this is a great idea. I think this is a great idea, as long as maybe there were more of them or more intentionality. Because um, the Waking Vigil is only one of many of the Dreaming City ones that could drop from that bounty. So if it was a Waking Vigil bounty, augmented bounty, that's cool, and people could chase it. That's just one more thing for people to have intentionality over and loot chase. Uh, and I think a lot of people would enjoy that. Damon Gaming, how do you feel about D3 being pushed back a year and no new content for a year in D2 so that Bungie can make sure D3 is perfect? This is a hypothetical that I think is unlikely, but I think there's going to be something close to it that happens. Um, 
Well, maybe not. Maybe not. I maybe maybe taking queen lands at the end of this year. We get an annual pass in line with what I've been saying. The annual pass that starts at the end of this year and goes into 2020 could just bring back a lot of the old content, a lot of the old raids, a lot of the old strikes, and that would be like, hey, this is all recycled content, but people could be like, yeah, but they're working on D3, and this is like Age of Triumph. It's a beautiful send-off to, the, to Destiny 2 and Destiny 1 as we look forward to Destiny 3, you know? And then Destiny 3 can land 2020 alongside of all the new consoles, new engine, new everything, leave behind everything. Taken Queen, LOL. I mean, it's just a placeholder name, but I'm, t- I'm telling you, it, it, it's going to be taken in theme and we're going to the Dreadnought. That, that's, that's not even in, in doubt at this point. That's what's happening in September. The name of it is just, is just a placeholder in my mind when I say Taken Queen. Ed to the word, not even sure what puzzle anyone's talking about. What about the PvP drip feed? No love for Crucible? Come on, Bungie. Uh, I mean, there are PvP content creators that are headed to Bungie today uh, to test things and to think through things. So I think they do have their sights set on making Crucible better. It just takes time. Um, PvP is going to be um, in in flux and in transition for you know the foreseeable future. And I don't know what we're supposed to do uh, to make it better, other than just keep providing our feedback, right? I, we're supposed to be getting something this month, right? You're like, where's the drip feed for PvP? What are they going to drip feed you for PvP? That's a genuine question that I have. Like, what are they going to feed you? Maps or new game modes? Like, asking for drip feed in PvP is unreasonable. What are they going to do? New game modes have sucked wind, and they haven't gone off the ground. Anytime they've tried to, in, un, you know, do... Um, anytime they've tried to do new PvP game, game modes, they haven't been very popular. And only thing they could do is, is like weapon quests, you know, weapons and armor. Um, so that could be on the horizon. And if there's nothing like that on the horizon, I think that just continues to point to a priority shift from Bungie. They, they didn't try to fix trials. They did Gambit instead, right? They're not, they're not trying to drip feed PVP content and PVP weapons and armor. They're drip feeding PVE stuff. I mean, they did the mountaintop. For this season, and then that was it. Everything else was was in it was in the PVE realm. So, although a really good roll on a blast furnace is probably worth chasing for PVP. Uh, Tony G53. Now that Bungie has all the rights to Destiny, do you think they will drop another B- DLC like they did uh, with Rise of Iron? Rise of Iron wasn't that big, to be fair, uh, and there was already, I believe, a plan in place for there to be content at the end of this year. I don't know why I suddenly can't make this jump. Uh, JD Gamer, do you think without help on level six, the sword key they have for level seven? Do you think uh, that we would still not be discoverable today? No, because I had the solution and so did Reddit. I think eventually people would have tried my solution. It wasn't my solution. The Reddit, the Reddit clue, the Reddit idea, and the idea that I put out there eventually, I think would have gotten tried. I think so. Like, I don't, I don't think people would have sat on that for forever. I think eventually people would have been like, let's just get there with as much time as we can and let's try this. I think, again, what worked against people trying it was just, it was so difficult to get in there with enough time. It was very difficult to get in there with enough time. Uh, Black Lily, what is SNTR Presents for someone new to your channel? SNTR Presents is a placeholder podcast name that I do for content that hits the live broadcast that we're doing right now as well as 
Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, iTunes, etc. So it's radio, podcast, like talk show based content to give people a place to talk about games and ask questions and have dialogue. Um, it is basically like crowdsourced organic social experimentation that leads to content that is enjoyable for the people both partaking or listening later. And um, it is to a degree a pioneer effort because my idea is that it is a piece of content that is like a subset it's like beneath my channel but it's something that if when I'm playing Anthem and Division I could do this in that too Uh, it has elasticity and then that gives that value that entertainment and that hub for Q&A back and forth and content creation uh, both for me to have something to do and to put out there and for you to enjoy as a viewer or a listener Trip and Monkey do you see yourself more moving towards a full-time SNTR Presents type stream? Q&A currently can run for a couple hours on a hot topic. No. No, I will not be doing that, and I'll tell you why. Uh, demand can go down if something isn't um, is too frequent. Uh, it being segmented and during a certain section is good, and I want to move towards segmented content anyway. Whether I'm doing bits and funny things with Leopard... Uh, duos with Leopard, right? And then Tipsy uh, Tipsy Tuesday with Typhoon Trav. That's going to become something that will probably become a main hub for like Tuesday night activities with other streamers. Doing little bits with characters in other games. Um, doing, doing SNTR Presents in Anthem and Division has a place, but there's also a time and a place just to play games and to hang out and talk, you know, and to... And to keep the vibe going and to raid or to work on Niobe Labs. You see what I'm saying? So like... Segmented content, I think, is the future, not just for my channel, but for the platform. I think the, the, the days of, like, I'm just going to sit down and play a game are going away. I think bigger streamers that have just continued to do that will continue to lose their footing um, if they don't think smartly about doing something unique or doing something that has more value than a cam in the corner of gameplay. Um, so that's why I think you're going to see more and more people move to segmented planned content because it gives people something to latch on to and take part in instead of like I'm just a passive viewer of somebody playing through a game that I can watch later um, the people that pioneered that and had you know did that on the platform will probably always have a big pull but they're not going to pull new people because new people coming to the Twitch are going to want more they're going to want something better they're going to want something more uh, elaborate and thoughtful and that's why I think segmented content is the future not of just this just this channel but of the platform but that doesn't mean I'm just always going to be permanent in in an SNTR mode Cody Crunkat is there any chance you'll still upload the talks to Spotify and all that I drive about 1.5 hours to work and the rages is my favorite thing yeah no 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 that's still going to happen that's still going to happen I just get behind I just get behind I have to download them from uh, YouTube as an audio file and then upload them to Simplecast. I'm trying to move everything to Anchor because Anchor apparently hits more platforms and then gives you an option to monetize so there would be like little commercials at the beginning but Anchor hasn't moved my content to any other platforms yet so I'm not sure what uh, what is taking so long but that is something I'm doing so they're still going to hit the other platforms I just struggle to do it all I stream 9 or 10 hours a day I schedule my videos and my tweets for the next day and then I try to grab clips as well that are funny and have those hitting Twitter and by the time I'm done doing all that I usually try and take everything I can and have it hit Spotify, you know, iTunes and YouTube so right now we're behind we're 6 days and nothing is hit because it's the 14th and I think the last thing hit on the 8th uh, Niobe Labs also threw me off, right? 
my schedule just went crazy. Um, why is this the only stream I can see chat in? I don't know. It sounds like Twitch is having issues again. This might have something to do with them trying to roll out cumulative badges. Chat has been uh, glitchy and messing up for uh, a week now, and we're not really sure what's going on. So if you're here and can talk and can see chat, great. Congrats to you. Don't do anything. Um, so... Not not a coincidence, seemingly, anymore. It's like if I'm having a big day, Twitch decides to craft the bed. It just seems to be... <laughs> every time, every time we're having a banner day, this happens. It is, uh, it's becoming a little annoying. I think Twitch needs to get a wrangle on quality, uh, for Pete's sakes. Stop breaking your site with updates, please. Shriba Monkey, did anyone figure out what the mystery loot box is uh, in level 7? No. Nobody knows why that is there. We, I think people have been theorizing that the clue was supposed to come out of that. Like, So the idea would be, what are we supposed to do about these swords? And then you would check the room and open a box and be like, hang on a second, this says something, right? So, uh, Joseph uh, Peruit, what do you think of Xur and could it be improved, uh, stay the same? Xur's getting bounties, so let's just wait and see when that happens, uh, what, you know, what that is before I start, you know, commentating and giving elaborate thoughts on how they could improve Xur. Um, I, I've always thought he could have, uh, three tiers, and that's been basically my idea that I've contributed. I haven't contributed much else to Xur as far as, like, ideas to improve him. I've said he could sell a, you know, a, a bounty, and the bounty gives you the frame, and then the frame unlocks the mission, and the mission unlocks the gun. So, like, you buy a bounty from him, and you do the bounty, and it gives you a weapon frame. And then the weapon frame lets you buy a quest from him the next week. And then you do the quest, and then you get the gun, but if you want the catalyst, you got to buy a mystery from him the next week. So they could do questline exotics through Xur that would last, you know, three weeks to a month, um, just to make it so it's not so, like transactional like here just give me some shards and you can get some of the best weapons in the game you know our drafts with the latest TWAB, there was no mention of removing enhancement cores do you think they will still remove them from infusing i was surprised to say the least i thought that was going to be one of their big quality of life updates coming back but it seems their focus is the frustrations in pvp now, that doesn't mean that they're not thinking about enhancement cores. They have said they're thinking about enhancement cores in previous interactions with the community. But that might not be a front-burner issue. The frustration with PvP may have hit a bigger fever pitch. People are more frustrated. People are more irritated and feeling like that side of the game is really bad. Enhancement cores is a point of frustration. But I do think that the complaints about that have, have calmed down because, because I think people are more focused on the fact that they can get more primes and bigger jumps from their primes and their milestones. So it's like they did that to kind of be like, think about it, they're kind of pivoting, right? It's like, okay, we're going to do this with, with, with milestones. We're going to do this with, um, we're going to do this with, uh, primes and now that we've done that we need to make sure that pvp gets into better shape and then once we're done with pvp then we'll then we'll shift back to enhancement cores so quantum mana is it a good time to start playing d2 i'm new here uh, i only had the base game be worth it getting by forsaken if you if you play d1 yeah because i think forsaken along with the annual pass content really brings back the classic destiny grind where you're chasing rolls on weapons and you're grinding through a really satisfying loop um but i will say this it's going to be a, a a rough climb now they've sped it up quite a bit for you 
if you're behind. There's a lot of things you can do, I think, uh, to get you kind of caught up to everybody with Spark of Light as well as some of the things I just talked about. So I think now's a really good time to get in because you could really ramp up and get ready for Joker's Wild, which is, a, you know, a while, a, a ways away. A uh, thousand bits from Black Lily. Someone in chat made a suggestion in future Q&As that might help to have a frequent comment questions roll across the bottom of the screen. Overlap, love in the stream. Thank you for the thousand bits and great suggestion. That's challenging. I would need a production crew to do that and that's difficult even for a production crew to keep track of certain questions and have them scrolling across. You're also trusting that people would read that and see that and wait for the ticker. So I love the suggestion and the thoughtfulness, but it probably wouldn't be worth all the work and and effort to do it. It's easier for me to read the question and, and kind of gloss over. Uh, real, real MZZZ says, how do you think they could make primary and special weapons exotics be useful uh, to use over heavy exotics? Not really seeing anything in people's heavy, uh, other than exotics. Right, right, right. I have a whole talk on the exotic problem. It's, uh, the seventh most watched video on my channel of all time. The exotic weapon problem video is very popular because I think people see what you're talking about and they don't like it. There are so many cool exotics that are primary and secondary and they get completely ignored. Easiest way is to give legendary, uh, like legendary power weapons, a whole lot better treatment. Um, right now, as it stands, uh, legendary weapons that are, um, you know, power weapons, grenade launchers, and what is it? Grenade launchers and rocket launchers suck. Linear fusions aren't that great. Linear machine guns have definitely put us in a better place. Uh, and then. I personally have been pushing more for pinnacle weapons. Don't give me an exotic, right? Don't give me an exotic. Give me a pinnacle weapon to chase. Give me more breaknecks. Give me a breakneck that's at the tip of a randomly rolled weapon pyramid, right? So that I can just keep chasing the breakneck and then I eventually get the roll that I want that is the cool curated pinnacle roll like we're chasing right now on the Orchid. Um, That's, I think, a little bit easier than creating exotics because even if they make legendaries really, really strong, it still doesn't mean you're going to be wooed by them. Uh, t- enough to say I'm going to carry exotics. Now, I've been doing that with trace rifles, but as soon as I go back to a classic build, I'm like, this is better, right? So, I got a lot of shotgun. There are, le- there are legendaries that are just so strong for primary and secondary. It's really, really difficult. It's really, really difficult. Uh, Jeritol, I don't know if I, I, I might have missed your 22 month resub. Thank you, Jeritol. You're the best. You know, I love you. And First Blood with 22 months as well. Happy to be back. Thank you very much. Melodic Gamer, I missed your talk about the Bungie Activision split. In a nutshell, do you think that the Sony exclusive deal is nullified by September or this year with the release of D3? Um, D3 is not coming out this year at all. There's no way. Absolutely no way. I'll get my, I'll get my head blown right off my shoulders if D3 comes out this year. Um, that may not be what you're saying. Exclusives, I don't think have anything to do with, uh, with, with Activision. Now it could be, it could be maybe in the background, maybe in the background, Activision and Sony are just really good buds because of Call of Duty and everything else. So maybe the, the exclusives go away. Um, that's possible. Bungie could be like, listen, our, our our community never really was a big fan of this anyway. Anybody not on PlayStation 4, which even though the PlayStation is the larger player base, it doesn't matter. The rest of us matter too. So people on PC and Xbox have just been continuously miffed and annoyed by that, you know, and it needs to go away, and hopefully it does. I would love to get my hands on the Wave Splitter. Um, I, I was really falling in love with Trace Rifles, and hearing how good the Wave Splitter was kind of made me mad. That number one, I didn't have some, I couldn't grind for it, uh, and number two, that it wasn't even you know on my system. 
Uh, Heavy Metal Mama. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Vicarious Visions make the puzzles for Niobe Labs? With that being said, since Vicarious Visions is owned by Activision, I don't think we still have issues such as this again unless Vicarious Visions comes along with Bungie. Well, and that's that's a good point. That that could be one of the reasons why it didn't get fixed right away. They had to they had to they had to like work with and and coordinate with Vicarious Visions. Thank you, Black Lily, for gifting five subs to the community. Very generous. Guys, make sure and check the chat. See if uh, see if you just got gifted a sub. Yeah, I mean that could have that could have stru- maybe that's why the solution took a while. The solution took a while because there was this, you know, coordinated effort that needed to take place with VV, and it just wasn't something that could happen fast. That is 100% uh, possible. Uh, Nubok, with the mutated fallen scorn, um, what are your thoughts on a new enemy faction? New enemy factions have never been a big priority to me. I, people get really upset about that every time, and I'm always like, does it really change that much of what you do? No, not really. If we made the enemies invisible and watched recorded footage of people fighting the enemies, um, you know, how much would you really be able to tell who and what they're fighting? Now, some of the times you might be able to tell, like, oh, that guy's backing up and fighting Thrall. He's getting bum-rushed. But even still, you know, the combat differences wouldn't be that uh, different. So I don't, I don't necessarily know if that's a big, big push that I think is necessary. Right, so Twitch is broken at the moment. If you're able to watch me and hear me right now and talk in chat, or if you can't talk in chat but you can still watch and hear me, I would strongly suggest you not refresh or go anywhere else. Uh, when this stuff happens, it typically gets worse if you try to reload or go somewhere else. So, new people are coming in and saying hi, so I think it might be slowly stabilizing, but I still would not refresh if I were you. It'd be great if Twitch could quit breaking Twitch chat, uh, that would be amazing. There we go. Finally. Um, next question. DJ May says, fun, stupid question. Could the traveler change its mind on the fallen? Uh, generally speaking, I don't take questions like this because I don't think they're going to completely flip the script on light, dark, who's good, who's bad. We're bad. Now you can be light or dark. I don't think they're going to do that. That would be really weird to treat all the content up to this point um, in that way. Uh, Borquin, piggybacking on Silent's comment, do you think that if they added another mechanic in between waves, like in between roofs, uh, in strikes or whatever, some tactic that made the next room easier, this could do this could be like a scorch cannon, spider walker that fell in the spawner of explosive enemies, items I don't know, uh, these rooms are tedious and boring and seem unoriginal maybe I'm wrong um, I mean, you can't be wrong if that's your opinion. I'm going to push back on your opinion and try to show why I don't think your opinion is a fair summary. I think it is original. There are big giant walls that come up and wall you off from the the mines, which means the team has to split up. The servitors themselves then have to be killed. Then there's the boss guys that come out with, with shielded you know dudes around them, and those shielded dudes also shield the adds. So there's an element of... There's an element of speed and urgency, but also an element that you you need to do certain things, which you can completely bypass. I don't care about cheesing. I'm talking about the encounter. If you can cheese and bypass, I don't give a frick. That You're not engaging with the content. That's like saying that Riven's really easy. Well, you're not engaging with the content, so we're not talking about that. We're talking about the content, not some altered, stupid version where people don't fight anything. I mean, the... 
the setup the setup in each room I think is good and I like it I think it I think it's a good fight now I like where your head's at though it's like well what if what if there'd be something cool you could do in between where you get a scorch cannon to make the next part easier or Siva charges or something right so then instead of you know just going from place to place to place to place there's you know there's more there's more to the fight there's more depth to the fight you know what i'm saying so referencing cheeses never matters like cheeses need patch that that's not that's not a that's not a comment that's necessary when we're talking about like the the the, the design of the content itself <clears throat> fatal symphony wonder bungie can collect uh light level data across all platforms and they can release a new content at the time when a majority of the communities have particular light thoughts no i mean it's, we don't need this we don't need this. We just need them to streamline leveling so when Joker's Wild lands, people are at, at 650, right? Like, that that should be happening, right? Like, nobody should get to Joker's Wild if you've been playing. Now, obviously, if you buy the game like two weeks before Joker's Wild, right? I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if, if you've been playing for the duration of black armory then you shouldn't struggle to hit 650 the leveling should just be streamlined and should just happen so that when joker's wild comes out you're not like staring at another hurdle of like oh great more new content i can't play that the the true grind in this game is for loot not power level we need to get over that so much you know nubok do you think that we'll ever break the dreaming city curse i have no idea if that's even part of the, the narrative plan um, Gravemaker, do you think Bungie had a queue system for LFG? Oh, if they had a queue system for LFG, more people would do endgame content and enjoy the game more. Just on PS4, uh, not even 5% finished Last Wish. That's been going on since Fog, and that's not going to go anyway time soon. Endgame LFG wouldn't fix it. The people that are actually able to run raids and help people and use microphones and are, and are, and are competent to do it, um, those people would not be in the funnel for matchmaking or LFG, which means you'd always have a bunch of clueless, micless people in LFG. That's why Guided Games doesn't get off the ground. You're not filling the funnel with the qualified players to help get it done, if that makes sense. The game franchise, the franchise is too old, right? Everybody's already using solutions that are out there. The Gorilla. Now that Niobe Labs is over uh, with the draw quest and Joker's Wild's now on the horizon, I'm very heavily into the shadows of your lore. You think they've already dropped the ball and the remaining of the season pass is doomed? These are I, that question makes no sense. BWFG Glow, uh, do you think that the Niobe Labs event will go away tomorrow at reset? Kind of like the Shattered Throne type thing, where you can only do it every third week. I think that would make it kind of interesting. And every time it returns, it has a different rewards to drop. I don't see them doing that because it seemed like it was something that they wanted people doing day one. I don't know why they would have it on a weekly rotation. I mean, it's just for an emblem and a ghost. That would be weird. I. I don't know. It may be, but I would say my gut instinct is to say no. Uh, Link Colder. I agree not all content should be created for every player in mind. Do you feel Niobe Labs was mainly created for streamers? Do you think that's too extreme? It wasn't created for streamers because streamers would have been in the freaking dark without Raid Secrets. Right? I'm not bashing a single streamer that was a part of it. I was a part of it, and I had answers given to me. There, there's all, I mean, I mean, maybe you put T-Rex and Datto on the same team and they're sitting there using the internet, but it was built for, it was built for a subset of the community, right? 
Oh, it's confirmed permanent. There you go. Niobe Labs is confirmed permanent. It, it was created for a subset of the community. You weren't going to go in by yourself and do it with your buds any more than I was going to go in and buy myself and do it with my streamer friends either. Or my or my the members of this community that were playing with me. Two Switch and Silent. Those buddies were playing with me, right? It was designed to be a like an ARG like Prime. Outbreak Prime was this, this effort that everybody came together and did together. Uh, Snavaret says, um, could Bungie have avoided the controversy if they withheld the fact that the completion of Niobe would unlock the Final Forge? Hiding the reward would have had the mystique, uh, such as Outbreak and the Whisper Quest. I mean, even if they would have hid the reward, the event still sucked because their clues sucked. Uh, JB Go Jangles. Oh, I'm sorry, JG Bo Jangles. Do you expect big things from D3 with the Bungie Activision breakup? I expect I expect better potential to be tapped into because they could maybe take time to pivot to the things we want them to pivot to, which is dedicated servers and uh, dedicated servers and a new engine. If they could pivot to those things, then yeah, I think that I think we could we could look at the future of Destiny and say you know things are going to get really really good. Things are gonna things are going to turn a good corner. Pedro VCM plays. I think the time that takes to solve a puzzle is not the problem. Some puzzles in WoW take four months to solve. The problem is putting content behind the wall. Thoughts? No. Both are a problem. Both are a problem. The clues sucked. And they admitted that there was pieces missing. So, it was... No. It wasn't just the time... It wasn't just the stuff locked behind it. The clues were bad. Uh, Wave 6 and 7 were atrociously stupid. Like They just were. They just were. They got jaded. They were, they got jaded. They're like, oh, this is obvious. And then we got in there like, no, it's not obvious. Even the bungee dev was like, it was a super simple thing, and they're overcomplicating it. Well, yeah, I mean, when you're sitting on the answer, that's easy to say, right? So, NCKNN. Thoughts on uh, Season 5 and the lack of content. Forsaken and Black Armory were moves in the right direction, but the season to take a step season seemed to take a step back. I disagree with you. It was not a step back. It is a it is a trickle of grind and things to chase. The biggest thing that was bad about Black Armory was that people couldn't get to the, the like leveling leveling levels quickly, so they couldn't get into the content easily. There has been a wonderful stream of content trickle we've never experienced in the history of Destiny ever. We've never experienced this before, and I think it's been great. And I think the player numbers are a reflection of that um given that they they have stabilized and maintained beyond the dlc's release which was in september right when we got into like january and march and all that february march after rise of iron pve settled into like a seven to eight hundred thousand player mark and like a six hundred thousand player mark in pvp that was in d1 now we're at like 1.1 million PVE, 800 to 900,000 PVP. And if people are like, oh, I don't trust Destiny Tracker's numbers. Okay, well, Destiny Tracker's numbers, whether they're super accurate or not, they were significantly lower for the this, this period of time, this January period of time after Rise of Iron. It got really low until we got, same with Taken King, it got really low until we got to the April update and until we got to Age of Triumph. That was just the natural course of things. The numbers dipped, so I think I think that the, the the content's been the the best we've seen as far as trickle goes, as far as no content drought goes. King D twenty one should Bungie put exotic rewards in their trailers, uh, even though it ruins hype of it. I don't like seeing exotics ahead of time. No, I don't. I don't like how exotics have been turned into pieces of marketing, like pieces of the marketing. Not a fan. I'm not a fan of that. It's so cool when, like, someone tells you about an exotic and you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't even gotten to see that yet. Where'd you see it? Oh, I saw it in PvP the other day. You gotta check Google for screenshots. You gotta find somebody in the tower and inspect them. 
instead of being like the 1000 voices coming to destiny near you and you're like oh sweet what does this do and you just get to see it I don't I don't like that I don't like exotics being used for marketing um, I'm not going to die on that hill, but I prefer them not do that. DX Raven, do you think space battles are a possibility for D3? Absolutely not. Completely out of the bounds of the identity of the game. No reason for Bungie to spend a single minute of development on space battles. If you want a space battle game, buy a space battle game. This is a first-person shooter, looter shooter. Right? No. I don't want space battles. I don't want Sparrow Racing League. Invest in the identity that we already have, not in the identity of another game. Sorry if you really want space battles. I'm being a little curt. It doesn't have any place in this game. It would get terrible engagement. Uh, Hero Sect. Do you think that with Activision and Bungie no longer working together, Bungie will return to their original v- vision for the game, darker undertones and such, and continue the same direction with the franchise? I don't know if we're going to get darker undertones. I don't know how much of that went away because of Activision. I don't know. I, their original vision for the game was what? I mean, do you know it? I don't know what it was. It was an RPG MMO style shooter game that we were going to play for 10 years. That's what the original vision of the game was. Go back and watch the original Vidoc and, and Mark Noseworthy saying, we envision this being a game you play for 10 years. I mean, I, what what type of game is that? I don't know. I, d- d- there was creative dissonance and confusion because Joseph Stoughton created a, a linear, campy, cutscene driven game and they chopped it up and said, this isn't the game we wanted to build. Like, who knows what the original vision was? I mean, even if we take the generic vision from the early Vidox of it's a a shooter RPG with loot that you play for 10 years, I I don't even know that's that's generic. That doesn't mean it's not how it is now, right? That just means maybe more MMO, maybe more driven, you know, by subscription fees, but subscription fees can't get off the ground on console. So they're trying to use the annual pass to acclimate you to that. I don't know. Kobe's Lakers, do you think the D3, they should start just a brand new story and continue to make the content of the old stuff? Uh, it's dangerous, this life of the franchise, to just abandon our characters in the storylines. Uh, people, I think people would not like that. People didn't like leaving their guns behind. You think they're going to like leaving their characters behind? Guns are replaceable. Your characters aren't, right? Um, so I would say there's not a chance of them doing that. It seems to be the pattern is... We continue the story and the narrative uh, with our with our stuff. Uh, Saren, do you think the Valender Forge should have switched with Izanami and Gofan? And I feel like Valender is much harder than the other two. I don't really care about the order. They can come out in any order. I, that doesn't that doesn't seem to be an important issue to me. It, it, it was fine. Uh, it's Buddha time. What do you think we will see the return of faction content and would you like to see faction content become? That could be, maybe that's why that's not back. Maybe they were holding on to faction rally because they wanted to, you know, maybe they wanted to use it in Joker's Wild. For people that maybe aren't a fan of Gambit, they're going to bring the factions back to have like a, a, a PVE grind that doesn't make you go into, uh, you know, Gambit. That's entirely possible. I mean, it does seem weird that if I don't know, I just didn't think faction rally was going to be that hard to bring back. I mean, it didn't. It isn't. It doesn't seem like that elaborate of content. It was NPCs with loot, and then just give us activities and things to chase. Um, I don't know. To me, the faction rally would be an easy win right now with drip feed. Uh, especially with how you could use the bounty system from Ada, you could drip feed the weapons and the armor out. Uh, we ha- we would have we would have intentionality. Um, I am doing the wrong thing. I just need to go complete the forge. I'm sitting here doing headshots, wondering why it's not completing. I am a complete and utter idiot. Um, 
Uh, next question, Mr. Anderson, do you think Bungie will uh, take away weapons in D3 like they did in D2, or they play it smart and let us take them with us? Listen, if they let us take our weapons with us, you have a significant question and problem and quandary, okay? If you bring everything with you in D3, do you want the the springboard, the celebration of new content to be you housekeeping, deleting crap out of your vault? What? No. I don't, why? Why do you want to do that? Right? Wouldn't you want to just hit the ground running and start chasing loot? Now, now if if they said, hey, we're in a panic, we gotta get out of here, we're time traveling or we're jumping in an escape pod, you can only grab what you can carry, which is what you can equip. You can't put anything else in your inventory. Whatever you equip is what you're bringing with you. Right? You're like, okay, cool. And so you equip all your favorite gear and then everything else is gone. Right? That'd be kind of cool. Well, what I would say is if, so like, let's say you go into the new game and you're like, all right, I got my midnight coup. I got my Ikelos shotgun and I got the whisper, right? I think very shortly you'd be leaving, set it up to where those would be what you're leaving behind. You can use them in the first couple of missions, but you'd quickly be like, you could even have dialogue with like, you know, you're in a different time and place. These weapons are no good here. They're weak, right? The, you know, the most basic weapon that's dropping is is stronger. Use that. Use this armor. And people are like, but I worked hard for this. Right, and it's a looter shooter. Like, I, what? It breaks down so quickly, doesn't it? To be like, it's a looter shooter. I love my loot. You do? And it's to the point that you don't ever want to play a looter shooter again? Well, what do you mean, Lono? Is it a looter shooter ever again if you're constantly bringing loot with you that supersedes and trumps all future loot? How is it a looter shooter if you're basically arguing for the cessation of loot chase? You just want to play a shooter with Fatebringer for forever, right? Like, I, loot needs to be replaced. Like, I, I'm not saying... You know, every three months you should be told what to use, but, you know, to me, it's a loot pursuit game, and if you argue that you really like your loot, you're contradicting yourself, because you're basically saying, I really like my loot so much to the fact that I don't want to chase loot anymore. Wait, what? You know what I mean? Be honest, would you want your Fatebringer in D2? No! I've always been honest about that. That's why in the Taken King, I always switched weapons. Why are you using an Angel's Advocate, Lono? Why are you using a Cryptic Dragon, Lono? Why are you using the, 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 what was the stars one from the Cabal? The scout from the Cabal quest, right? You know, why are you using those weapons, Lono? Because I like changing it up. Treads upon stars. Thank you. I... I like chasing loot. It's a loot pursuit game. I don't know. I've never, ever, 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 ever played a loot-based game. Diablo 1, 2, or 3, Borderlands 1, 2, or Borderlands the pre-sequel, and thought to myself, how dare you? How dare you make me use new loot? No, I'm like, new loot! Dope! Like, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. There's a time limit. Do you take off Warden's Law? Yeah! Yeah! Yeah, I'm regularly in here seen using the breakneck or the blast furnace, or I was using the threat level in the orchid. 100%. If I got a god roll orchid, I would change things up. Yeah, I do it all the time. T-Funk, uh, what do you think Gambit has rank... Why do you think Gambit has rank while Crucible has tokens and rank and Vanguard are just tokens? Uh, do you think Gambit, Gambit should have tokens so after four to five games, you can get tokens to turn in for an item? Also, do you think Vanguard should have rank... 
Uh, and so we can say I have rolled over vanguards five times. I think every NPC should have rank that means something. Just blanket statement. Every NPC should have rank that means something. The more you level them up, the more you invest in their in their loot, the better the better stuff you can get, the cooler stuff you can get. Uh, as far as tokens go, I mean, I don't care how you do it. Whether I'm pump, you know, pumping them full of tokens or I'm just getting XP, let me keep ranking up and chasing stuff and then give them weapon-specific bounties like Ada. That, like, I think every NPC needs that treatment, uh, 100%. Uh, can you guys please stop writing books? I'm seeing questions and my stomach's turning. Please try to keep it to two to three sentences. You guys are literally writing five to six line questions you have got to be brief we're gonna character limit it if we have to y'all are going a little extreme please for my sake try to shorten some of your questions a lot of the really long questions aren't questions you spend half the sentences pontificating about one of your own ideas and that's not really a question that's you like here's an idea i had lono book here's war and peace and your question is what do you think that's not really a question. That's you writing War and Peace and asking me to give your book a critique. So let's try to move away from that a little bit, a little bit. I appreciate the creativity, but question and answers getting hijacked, I think, by people who are wanting to just share their own ideas, which there's a time and a place for that. Let's just dial it back a teensy, teensy bit. I love you guys, but let's settle it down. Uh, Medrout, what do you think of the way to get Jotun and Monarch? Uh, been grinding for days and they haven't dropped. I think there's a place for this. I think there's a 100% there's a place for this. There is a place for exotics that you're like, that's your chance this week. Now, now, we have said before, there's a time limit, I think, before people get exhausted. That happened with 1K Voices, didn't it? People were like, oh my gosh, dude, I can't run. I can't run this anymore. It's my 30. It's clear without a 1K, right? I like the idea of the Nightfall RNG. It goes up every time you don't get one. So every week you end without a Jotun, you're increasing your chances the more powerful but the more powerful frames you do. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. That's six chances a week, right? Six powerful frames a week, six chances a week. If you don't get it, the very next week your chances go up. Think about it. Think about it like this, okay? Track with me here. Second week, that's 12 chances. Third week, that's 18 chances. Eventually, once you get into the 20s, it should start to be not guaranteed but pretty doggone close like if you're committed each week doing that many powerfuls i think that's fine increasing it for that king boomstick how much time do you give bungie to fix the frustrations the community has before you jump ship what do you do if activision bungie still misses the mark with destiny 2 and never gets it where it needs to be is this the only hope uh is the only hope to hold out for d3 first of all i don't know who you're describing because you're not describing me and you're not describing the people that i know that play destiny I don't think people are like, you know, if they just don't fix having to go see Ada, I am done. Like, I don't think people are at that point. I think people are like, it's good, but we need improvements. I don't think anybody is like at the verge of jumping ship like any minute. I'm done with this freaking franchise and this game. I can't take it anymore. I think people got there year one, but I don't think anybody's there year two. I mean, I think people have hit gotten fatigue and have taken breaks, right? But I, I think that's healthy. I think that's healthy. I think you should be like, all right, dude, I'm getting burned out. I got to do something else. I, I've thrown enough balls for my entire life. Like, oh my gosh. And then you go and you, you know, you play Anthem or you play Division. That's fine. That's fine. And that's probably healthy for you as a gamer uh, outside of just thinking through like your enjoyment of Destiny, right? 
if this is you describing yourself, right? How much time do you give Bungie to fix the frustrations the community has before you jump ship? I mean, are any of the frustrations that we currently have that bad that you can't stomach them? Like, what do they need to fix? If the Crucible doesn't get balanced, you're done. Um, if they don't, if they keep making you go see Ader, you can't get a 1K Voices or an Anarchy, you're done. Like, where? what's your line in the sand? And then draw it, I guess, and then make your decision. It ain't up to me. Listen, man, if you're giving me gun pursuits, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm here all day, every day, if you give me gun pursuits. I did that with Imago. I love it. We sit here, we talk, we vibe, I radio, you, you Q&A, we Jedi, right? We just, we do it. We do the thing while doing the thing, and it's very fun and addicting. And if Anthem and Division can tap into that, I think we're in for a, a, a great treat. But I, I do think people reach a point where they're like, I've had it, I can't do this anymore, I'm so burned out, I, you know, I can only play so many raids and strikes. Um, you know, PvP players are already quitting, you can say that as much as you want. PvP engagement numbers are stable. So you and your circle of friends can quit. And like, this is what I think happens. This is what I, I think happens. I'm not trying to denigrate your opinion or your experience or your emotions. If you're not enjoying yourself and you're frustrated and angry, you're legitimate in feeling that way. And and even Bungie would say that Crucible is not where they want it. That's clear. They're not flying Crucible dudes and streamers and content creators out you know, just for the heck of it. Like, they're doing that because they want to make Crucible better. So I don't want to denigrate your feeling that Crucible's bad. But this is what I think people do. People are, and I might be guilty of this with Gambit. People are like, I hate this. This is crap. This is bad. I'm not playing. And then a couple of their friends stop playing. And they're like, see, everybody's quitting, Lono. Everybody's quitting. I'm quitting. Game sucks, Lono. Dead game, Lono. Like, I think that is... It's just a lot of, there's just a lot of bias. There's just a lot of bias there. And I think that if you've quit and you're bored or you're frustrated, that's totally fine and voice that. But pretending like the community at large is doing what you're doing. Like I said, I'm going to be fair here. I probably do that with Gambit. I might be too presumptive about Gambit engagement numbers. I may be a bit too like, oh, everybody hates Gambit. I base it off of what people say on YouTube, Twitter, and chat, not just me. It does seem people are really unhappy, but when PvP comes up, I feel like I get a lot of different opinions. I feel like I get a lot of different shades. You know? I, I do. I, I don't I don't feel I get as shaded of an example and as shaded of an opinion that we do with Gambit. Gambit feels really shaded in the dislike. PvP doesn't. So WT says, what do you feel about it would be better for Zer Bounties? Chance to drop exotics themselves or a way to reintroduce catalysts, some potential new catalysts? It'd be good for him to bring catalysts. Yeah, that's like what I said. Like He said he would sell a mystery. You buy the mystery and then, you know, you do it. Listen. Okay, people in chat can say they love Gambit. That's fine. That's fine. Maybe I'm wrong. Like I said, I'm open to being wrong about Gambit. Okay? I am very interested in knowing how many people play Gambit after they're done with their milestone? It's only three games. And how many people play Gambit once they're max level? That is the number that matters. I don't give two fricks if you're like, look how many people played Gambit today. Uh-huh. Yeah. How many people were doing it for the milestone? How many? Right? That's the number that matters. Because if you're like, oh, I play and I don't, I don't have milestones. Okay, again, I could be wrong. It could just all be... My bias showing heavily. Now we're talking. 
Machine gun reserves and machine gun targeting. Let's go. So I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But if I could be wrong about Gambit, then you could be wrong about Crucible. You could be wrong about Crucible. You could be 100% in the wrong about Crucible. Crucible could be could be basically fine, or at least it offers enough variety for you know the community at large to enjoy it in different pockets. And you're just one of the people that don't like it right now. Like, to a certain extent, I say this with love, get freaking used to it. That has been the Crucible since Destiny's inception. Since Destiny's inception, it has been consistently like a, a, <laughs> uh, a feeling of, oh man, I don't like this, Crucible's trash, and then, then they change it, and then a new group of people's like, oh man, this update's trash, right? That's <laughs> just Crucible, man. There's always a group of people that hate it, and there's always a group of people that tolerate it, and there's always a group of people that love it. Like, it's just kind of how it shifts the sand ship, you know? OG Patriot, I'm not sure if this is the topic uh, that has been brought up, but do you believe that Bungie would ever release Destiny 1 for PC since Destiny 2 came to PC? No idea. I'd rather them bring back the content that matters, the raids, maybe the strikes, and shove it into an annual pass so I can play Wrath of the Machine with great frame rate and FOV. Just bringing D1 to PC, oh, I'd play the frick out of it, but I'd much rather them not do that because I wouldn't want it to pull away from D2. <clears throat> Titan. How do you feel about Forge Armor not having enhanced perks? Sorry, I just repeated the question. No, it's not a repeat question. That's a good question. Uh, enhanced perks should be only on uh, endgame content. And after that, after that, it should be able to be something you do with enhancement cores so you can wear what you want. J. Chris, do you think it's possible they take Masterwork cores out and not even bother telling us? No, it'll be a big announcement because it's going to be celebrated by everybody but like five people. <laughs> Shots taken. Uh, BWF Glow. Do you think there is going to be new catalysts for all the new, uh, all the newer Forsaken exotic weapons? Uh, or is that just sort of a band-aid? I think it was a band-aid. I don't think exotics uh, catalysts is, is, a, is a continued thing. I don't think exotic catalysts is a continued thing. I think it is... Uh, it was very, very much a band-aid to create power and excitement, and it's not a normative thing. <clears throat> so. Uh, Nubo, if open world is much larger than... If the open world is much larger in D3, do you think there should be a newer mode uh, for travel to replace the Sparrow? You just make the Sparrows faster. I, sparrows could be tankier and faster and maybe even throw some weapons on them. I'd be okay with that if the areas are bigger. Matrix, what do you think about the new mods? I would love a reload mod so rolls aren't outlaw rapid hit or burst. Yeah, some mods for reload would be nice. It would be because then you could pivot to other rolls and if you could pivot to other rolls, they could start to put other things in there. Like, what if they really start to pull your attention away from rampage outlaw, rampage outlaw, you know, feeding, phrase, feeding frenzy rampage, feeding frenzy rampage. What if in that vein where Outlaw and Feeding Frenzy typically land, they could put newer perks, and you're like, oh, I, I'm going to go for these newer perks. They're pretty cool, and I can because I have a reload mod. I think that'd be that'd be a, a good a good move. Amish Milkman. One of the reasons Bungie didn't use the new engine was because the community was used to it from Destiny 1. I don't think that's a true statement. Uh, do you think they might do this again with Destiny 3? I've never heard anything. I've never heard them say that. I'm going to grant you the point. I'm going to grant you the point, Amish Milkman. That's probably a thread of the discussion. But I think the primary reason they gave is that they'd have to rebuild the entire game. And that would take a really, really, really long time, which they wouldn't have been able to hit contractual deadlines. That's the main reason. I'll grant yours is in there, but it ain't the main reason. 
I think it would have I think they can recapture the feeling of Destiny in another engine it just would take time that they didn't have Johnny Always do you think Destiny 3 could be a better game uh, have been a smaller uh, a better game by been a smaller game example more niche than Mass Appeal I don't think so I think this game is in a great place it's in a great place as frustrated as we get and as antsy as we get and as passionate as I yell right they're in a great spot there's almost no games in existence that have this appeal to casuals and hardcores. When you have casuals and hardcores, what you do is you have accessibility, low entry, and you have the hardcore people that stay loyal. You have a microcosm of Fortnite. That is what Fortnite is so good at. Low entry point. Anybody can play. Gimmicky, silly, goofy, high skill ceiling. You can play like Tifu, right? So like that is that creates loyalty, but that it creates really, really ease of entry point, and that's great. That's that's a, that's this is a microcosm of what Fortnite has done better than anybody else. Uh, the beef dip. As a new player without friends who play D two, do you think they should make the grind of the end game a little easier? Getting to the max level should be super easy. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't take very long. Every piece of content should level you up. Nova hands. Hey Lono, with Festival of the Lost and the Dawning bringing us unique weapons, do you think we might see a grindy quest for a new legendary during Crimson Days? Maybe, maybe that's been a theme. I would say, yeah, Avalanche and and the and the the other one, the horror story. Yeah, Borquin. Shortening question: Why do people not want to have these characters behind and start over in D three? Because they become attached to them. They become attached to them. And RPG is about time investment. You get something for your time investment, loot, leveling, and that becomes a that becomes a very very big part of it. So yeah, on the top of D one raids and strikes, says Nubok. Do you think they should do something like Caverns of Time and WoW and include old raids to jump back to? I just said that they should do that. So you're asking me if I should do something I said they should do. Uh, I don't understand that. I literally just said they should bring back the old raids and let us replay them in in this with an annual pass. So you're asking me if they should do something. I just I literally just said that. There ain't no way you missed it because your question's in reference to what I said. So I, I'm confused. <laughs> I just said that. Uh, Jscan. Uh, when do you think we will start to touch on the Guardian Aldrin plot again? No idea. Penumbra maybe. Penumbra. Uh, last question, last question. You guys are just piling on right now, and I'm trying to end it. I'm going fast, and you guys just keep submitting. So no more, no more. I love you, but we gotta stop. I gotta eat, or I'm gonna die. Have you ever wished Bungie would just switch to the Unreal Engine for the ease of development and new content implementation? Well, of course I wish this. Of course I wish this, right? But, um, I, I do. I do wish this. Um... He did not submit it before you answered it, Ape Dog. No, incorrect. I was talking about bringing back the old raids uh, 10 minutes ago. I watched him submit the question. I watched it hit the answer form. Don't tell me what I know about. I saw it happen. He didn't. That's enough. Don't do the talk back thing. I get tired of that. I asked nicely. I just said it. Don't ask questions about things I've addressed. You don't need to correct me. Uh, so, I think, I think that I. it's like... I don't have a good pair. I don't have a good analogy, right? I don't have a good analogy, but when you want something really good, but you know it's going to take a really, really long time, like they they couldn't do that, right? They couldn't do that. They couldn't pivot to the Unreal Engine with ease. It wasn't. It's not. It wasn't possible. It wasn't possible. He typed it before. Okay, Twitch is acting crazy, so maybe there was significant maybe there was significant stream delay, like three to four minutes worth of stream delay. I mean I watched it hit the QA form after I said it, and when I said it, I was over at the postmaster. So there's a lot of time in between it. Um anyway. 
as much as I wanted them to go to the Unreal Engine, and we all knew they needed to do it, whenever D2 launched, it was clear they wouldn't have had time to do it. Like, I want you to think about historically what happened with Destiny. Just think about it, all right? And just be fair. Don't be that demanding consumer. Take a breath and be like, okay, how did it actually play out? D1 got delayed and barely launched. It limped when it launched. They played recovery that entire first year to give us the Taken King. And then after that, it was clear that they didn't have much to give us. After Taken King, what did they ask, right? What did they ask? Uh, what did they What did they give us? They gave us Rise of Iron... April update and Age of Triumph. If we're honest, Rise of Iron was the only substantive piece and it wasn't even that substantive. Age of Triumph was a re- a, a recycling of content and the April update was pretty was pretty minor and pretty free, okay? So after Taken King, they give us very little. They use the live team, they lose use High Moon Studios so they can pivot to Destiny 2. Well, in that time frame, there just isn't enough time. There isn't enough time. Like, basically, after Taking King launches, the beginning of 2016, the beginning of 2016, they're like, Luke Smith, you're in charge of Destiny 2 now because the Taking King was so good, right? And Luke Smith's like, okay, and he inherits a game that I think that needed restarted. They basically did it again. They were like, we got to restart D2. This isn't the direction to take it, right? So when you, when you are basically restarting Destiny 2's development, that was not the time to say, let's, let's build it in a new engine. And Activision's contract is just looming overhead. It's just looming overhead, right? It's just one of those things where I, the, the contract is saying, you've got to deliver at this time. And Bungie's saying, we have to deliver the MVP, the minimum viable product. And they did, you know? I, it, it's just one of those things where we have to accept that as much as we wanted, I have to point this way now, as much as we wanted this to happen, it has to happen in the right way. That is why the split from Activision is so important. That is why the that is why it is so important because they can start to say, let's take our time. Yes, we might have to push back the launch date that we really like. We really wanted D three to launch in this timetable. Let's push it back. Let's rebuild it, and we can use the annual pass format, and we can use the live team to limp to limp our way there. Right, slowly, little piece, 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 and then they can finally deliver D three the way it's supposed to. Guys, and I don't mean to get scoldy. We're gonna have to get into uh, we're gonna have to get into a place where I get very good about saying, "Thank you for your question, but this has already been addressed. I'm gonna skip it. I don't want people to feel bad and just skip past." I always feel like I have to offer an explanation, and then people start to argue with me in chat about whether it was asked or already asked, or whether they were here or they weren't here, like. I'm just trying to offer an explanation about like, I literally just talked about this. Why are you asking this? My experience was that I said the idea here, walked all the way over to the Cryptarch, walked all the way here and stood here for a while, right? It had been four or five minutes and then I saw the question hit the sheet and I was like, I literally just said that. That was all it was. And the guy that asked the question didn't even feel bad. He apologized. He was like, sorry, I was talking about future content. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Um, I just need to be better about maybe just very quickly being like, I, I've already kind of addressed this. I'm going to move on. I like your question, but it's already been, it's already been kind of addressed. So if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google play and Spotify, I'm probably live right now. You can tune out from the podcast and you can come in live. Uh, and 
if you're here live right now i've got some cool things to show you guys so don't go anywhere don't leave i'm going to keep streaming but i am going to do an outro for the podcast as always i appreciate you guys listening and watching all of my content please like share and subscribe